You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Libertarian Country is one of the fastest growing and most popular liberty-themed apparel companies in the world. This American-based company was founded by two brothers out of Baltimore who had a vision to create an online store that offers fun, unique, and controversial political clothing and accessories. This five-star company offers the hottest shirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So check them out today. This is an independently-owned, liberty-loving business that basically gives you the exact type of apparel and paraphernalia that you've wanted anyway. You just didn't know you wanted it now. Every purchase you make using the link in the show notes allows a small part of your purchase to come back and support the show. So go on, go grab some awesome libertarian country swag using that link in the show notes. You'll thank me later. Hey everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Tim Young. This has been something that we have been planning for a little while, and I'm so glad that we're finally here in this moment. You back in the swamp itself. For like three days. Really? I leave. I leave. Actually, yeah. yeah I came back Thursday, and I'm out on Monday. You've been itching to get out since you came back, huh? Because you saw what the rest of the country's like? I hate this town so much. There's an article that I always reference when I'm on the radio from um, Human Events. There was this guy who was like, goodbye, D.C., And it was kind of weird because he's like one of these, he's clearly a bougie consultant. I don't know. Did you see this article? I forget who he was. I saw it and I read it and it basically just comes down to everyone here is so much like me, I need to leave. Is that what you saw? That's what I saw. Did you read the same article? May have or may not have. There was a thing where it was like, there's no reason to be here anymore because like all of the culture has gone and all that's left is people telling me how I should look at them. Yeah, we're thinking of two different ones. There were a few kind of like that, and it's really, it's really funny. This is the type of stuff. Like, if I were collecting like some of the select articles that have come out during the pandemic, it's got to be like you know after a lot of the lockdowns, but definitely right after the riots. Just when you've got these people that are living in like Chicago, New York City, who are finally like, you know what? It's it's time to fucking. Well, leave. A, a million people left New York already. That's confirmed. It actually has. There's a record number of people, uh, a record number of uh, vacant apartments there. And like I look, I, I love who I live with. In fact, we're probably going to get yelled at by one of one of my housemates is right here right now. He's going to be very upset that we're. I didn't tell him we were recording today. It's very fun. I'm cheap, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's one of the key things that would have never known. One of the one of the reasons I went on the road. I was like, wait, the first flight to Austin from D.C. when I started this in maybe the first week of April was uh, thirty nine dollars, and my flight back was nineteen. Fuck. And so, who are you flying? Southwest. Okay, that makes sense. No, it's never that cheap on Southwest. Never. On Southwest? I've been flying. I've flown Southwest forever because they, they hustle. You, you, you tell me Delta Airlines, I could believe that. Southwest? Eh. Frontier. Eh. I just did American, actually. They uh, allow drinking in first class in American. I had a, a group fly me in to Dallas um, for some work I was doing first class, and they've added drinking back as of, like, this week. They took that away? 
So people are paying $300 or whatever it is for first class to go to, to Dallas or $400 or whatever the hell people pay. I don't know because I'm cheap. Um, when I saw it, I was like, guys, I could have got out here for 100 Why did you spend, like, whatever it was? And uh, so on the flight back, I was like, wait, there's, they're taking drink orders? And I had um, six Woodford Reserves in two and a half hours. Dear God. It was free. Dude, if it's free. Might as, might as well take advantage of it. In Southwest Baltimore. A lot of people don't know that about me. Like, I grew up in Southwest Baltimore in the hood. Like, we were the white family. And so, like, if it's free, you take it. Like, that's what I learned. Like, we were poor. Like, if it's free. like again, I, I, can't, I can't bother. By the way. Um, oh, what, what, yeah. what, where are we drinking? I went ahead and picked this up. We're, we're actually in Tim's apartment right now. And I've got this tradition when I do something live, which I've, I've rarely gotten to do the last year and a half. I always go to the ABC and I pick up something I haven't tried before. And I picked up. You went all out for me. I, I went all out. And you can keep the rest of this afterwards. My gift to you. It's uh, Jim Beam and Cola. It, it just comes already. I don't want it. It tastes like. I haven't had a Slurpee in years, but I think that's what a Slurpee tastes like, isn't it? Oh, it's like, okay, so it's not bad. It's not good. It's, it's kind of flat. It's, it's very flat, isn't it? I should have just bought a two-liter and just made a Jack and Coke. You do realize trash. I have a very large bourbon collection. Like, in fact, you're... I, I could feel like it's staring at me. You're sitting on, like, I handed you a bottle that, like, only basically you have drank out of in my house because I'm not a big Scotch person. Because it's that fucking this, good. It's 22-year-age stuff from uh, Kirkland, like Costco, that, that nobody can ever find, and I got a bottle of it from my... How, how, how long was it aged for? 22 years. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a Virginia snob. Like, where, where I went to school in Lynchburg, we're next to some of the best distilleries, but I swear to God, like, the last time... Some of the best distilleries where? In Virginia? In Virginia. Okay. Have, have you have you tried it? Yes. Oh, here by the way, I, when I was hosting radio, the music of DC. Yeah. Sing to me. Sing me your song, DC. When, when I was hosting radio um, for SiriusXM, I fill in for David Webb. Um, I was. I, we had a pool going of when there would be an emergency vehicle going by the house, and it took it took two days. It was the one two, so three segments an hour. It was the thirteenth segment. There was a siren. Out of uh, nine, ten, forty-five segments. So, were, were you taking like shots each time you heard one too? No, drink it. It was nine a.m. in the morning. I'm already burned enough as it is. And I, ever yeah. since, ever since this whole you know COVID thing started, it's basically like airport rules. Ten a.m. I want a bloody mary. Yeah, it really is. Now, what was I telling you about Baltimore? Eh, it doesn't matter. When it's free, take it. It's, oh yeah, that's why. Like, listen, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but um, like the looting, the looters. Like, look, if the store's open and they're not going to arrest you and you're looting in Minneapolis, like I saw all these people like running in and running out, I would have been in there looking for like the rare Ninja Turtles figures that I collect from Target. I would have been like, wait, there, there's a sale at Target right now. I was, I was having a conversation, I think it was with Juliana, her brother, like a couple of weeks ago. There's the whole talk about reparations. Yeah. And as we're talking about it, and I, I just think it's, you know, absolutely fucking stupid. That's not yes. a surprise to anyone listening. But like, it's like, you know, I, I almost agree with you. Your reparations was whatever you stole when the cops weren't enforcing the law. So if you didn't get your new TV, that's entirely your fault. Yeah, that's like the whole thing, right? Like, so like they looted, I don't know how many targets in Minneapolis and nobody, nobody, were there any arrests? There were like zero arrests. In fact, target, like, are are we ever going to know? There were no arrests. At max, there were like 10 and people like got a slap on the wrist and they got let out, right? They didn't even like probably recover. Because of COVID. They can riot, but you can't put them close to each other. You got to let them out. That's the logic. Exactly. So like, I'm like, man, you know, 
a lot of Republicans and a lot of people on the right would like pearl clutch and be like, I did the pearl clutch there. I was actually clutching. And, um, and be like, oh my gosh, how can you, how, how could you ever say that? No, are you fucking kidding me? If, if the target is open and like people, they're not like arresting people to go in, it gets written off. I lost a girlfriend a couple of years ago. Well, not even a girlfriend. We were just seeing each other because I got a free PlayStation 4 from Walmart. Walmart, um, how the hell do you get those for free? So here's what happened. They had a uh, Black Friday sale and I got the, the 199 PlayStation that came with like Spider-Man or something like that. I know what you're talking about. And I was working at GameStop when we were doing that. So I got in on that, right? And then Walmart was like, oh, hey, sorry. Like, it, it said, like, never shipped. Like, FedEx had never shipped. And I talked to Walmart for literally, like, a week and a half. And I was like, okay, listen. I got this. This is bait and switch. Why don't you give me an equivalent? Of course, I know that's going nowhere. So we go back and forth, and they're like, we can give you a, a, a refund. We can give you a refund. We can give you a refund. Finally, like, after a week and a half, I'm like, fine. Just give me the 200 bucks back. Whatever. Six hours later, I get a notification from FedEx, something shipped. <laughs> and so I get, the, I get the refund, and then, and then it comes in. And I, like, I was talking to this girl about it, and she was in the military. We'd gone out a little bit. And um, she was like, that's stealing. I'm like, no, it's not. They write that off. Like, it's already been processed as a, uh, as a uh, um, return. Like, what am I going to do? Show up to – she's like, you got to take that back to Walmart. I go, what's going to happen when I take that back to Walmart? They're going to look at you and say, are you sure you don't want this? And they're going to give you an out. No one wants to in-process. And then by the time, by the time, like, number one, it's been returned. So basically I'm just handing them a, a, a PlayStation 4. And by the time they realize that I'm an idiot handing them a PlayStation 4, somebody else is going to get a free PlayStation 4 out of this. Like, they're going to take it for themselves and put it in their locker and take it home. Like, there's just no way. Like, it was, it's out there and, like, this probably happens all the time. Now, like, on the flip... When uh, I got my computer from B&H, my, my very nice MacBook, it's like the blown-out MacBook, the 15-inch from uh, the last, like, before they got rid of the 15-inch the MacBooks. Mm-hmm. It's got, like, i9 processor and, like, 2 terabyte solid-state hard drive and all sorts of shit in it, 32 gigs of RAM. I love this thing. It's going to last me forever. Um, it was delivered to the wrong place, and I freaked out. And because it was signed for at another building in this area. There's a bunch of buildings around here. Yeah, as opposed to being dropped off here. Um, you sign that shit. That's ballsy. They can track you. Exactly. So it was a front desk that just like blanket signs for everything, right? Oh, it's one of those situations. I thought it was like, you know, they, you take it to the wrong house, guy opens the door, then he signs I lost it. my mind. I filed a police report and did the whole thing because I was waiting for this thing. You know, I don't like ordering something that's over $2,000. By the way, I got it for like half price. Like it was, they were clearancing it at B&H, which I don't get paid for, by the way, but B&H photo, amazing. So I reach out to them. I tweet about it, of course, because... When you have an audience, people pay attention to you on Twitter as opposed to like being a regular consumer. I, I do take advantage of that. Leverage your power. <laughs> Rest in power, friend. Um, that's, that's, that'll be at my, my funeral. They'll be like, he complained about Southwest Airlines and got a uh, $75 voucher once. Rest in power, Tim Young. Um, <laughs> but uh, B&H offered to send me another computer immediately. And I was able to track this thing down and went around and picked it up and immediately called them back and said, cancel it. And I don't know how many people would have done that. I just know that the guy, when I called back and was like, hey, cancel that computer, that free computer you're about to send me, he was like, oh, my God, no one does that. So, like, there's... What type of saint are we dealing with? There's a dollar limit (laughs) to what I will... Like, if it's above 200, I'm like, eh, it's a lot. And also B&H, I still consider a small business. I love B&H. Have you ever been to B&H in uh, New York? No. It's like... The, the one time I actually planned on going to New York was March 23rd of this year. You should have gone 
now, uh, no, no. Now, now looking at what's happened since, I'm pretty glad we didn't freaking go. All I wanted to do, I just want to go two things. I wanted to go to, to Coney Island and, and get a hot dog from there, and I want to go Midtown Comics. Two things. We've been in and out. It's all I wanted to see. I, I'm a man of very simple needs. I just wanted to grab my hot dog and my comic book, take a good touristy picture, and get the fuck out. Yeah. And then that day is when Cuomo's like, yeah, no, no one can come in. No one can leave. And for like a few weeks, everyone was like, oh, my God, he's a hero. He's doing it now. And then if you were an old person, he, he kills you. And now it's a completely different story. I would recommend everybody go to B&H Photo, too, when you go there. Because it's the if cool, it's, cool Was thing. it looted? No. Oh, God, no. Um, the, it's run by the Jewish community up there. I think. I, oh, yeah. All, all the, all, they all have guns. Those guns oh, yeah. God, yeah. God bless those people. Um, I, I wouldn't mind being a part of the tribe. But, uh, no, it's all, all of my friends call it uh, the Jewish North Pole because you go in there and it's like, number one, they, they have candy at all the, the places. Like, I, this is going to turn into just a big advertisement for B&H Photo. I love this fucking place. And like, you see, like, all the packages and things. They have all of, like, the conveyor belts and stuff above you in the store. So it's like you're in North Pole with, like, you see electronics, like, sliding along the ceiling as they're shipping things in their midtown location. It's amazing. It's one of the coolest places and, like, the best deals on, like, all electronics. Literally, this is an advertisement for B&H Photo. I love those people. The commercial for it makes me cheer. Like, when you call up, their customer service is, like, a real human being. Again, not getting paid for this. I just, like, there are very few businesses that as an older man now, I'm getting old, um, I just love B&H Photo all day long. Love it. If you're from B&H and you have not been looted and you have some discretionary funds, you can please find the contact form on the website of this episode. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were the nicest people, and you talk to a human being. It's the coolest. It's a great thing. Close on Saturdays for Shabbat. Oh, that's how you know they're hardcore. God bless them. I think there are a lot of businesses that if they just tried to you know, throw up some type of cultural front like Chick-fil-A, they would do remarkably better. Because I think part of the thing of Chick-fil-A is like, okay, listen, I like Chick-fil-A. I, I like it more than I like other places. But at the same time, like fuck no. No. You, you know what's funny? Like years ago after college, I wanted to go work for Chick-fil-A corporate. There was this thing out of Richmond. It was called the Chick-fil-A Leadership Experience where it was basically like The Apprentice. For a full year, you were put on salary, and you had to work every position from mopping the floors to opening an actual franchise location. And I beat everybody. I, I beat everybody. I competed against people with MBAs, people that had business experience. I beat everyone. And then when it came down to the last round of corporate interviews, they said, you know, we think we're going to restart the process. Here's some money for gas. Thank you for competing. I didn't do the year. This was like the uh, three weeks. Three weeks, and you had to go. I had to go from, uh, from Lynchburg to Mechanicsville. You had to memorize three books of the Bible at the same time. All of them, and in Hebrew. It was a whole thing. I've never said it's my, my, my pleasure as many times in my life as when I was doing that. And it was, it was an it intense experience. It wasn't your pleasure. It was not. I hated people more than I had ever it's hated super them. super weird. So the other day, I was in an Uber in Dallas, um, and the guy driving was a former hockey player who was like the regional manager. He had to get his knee redone, but he was the regional manager. What's he doing driving Uber? Whataburger. He was like, I just want to get away from the family, so I take our beater car out, and I do uh, uh, Uber for a couple of hours. I respect the hustle. Dude, he apparently was the regional manager for like 28 or 32, I forget what the number was, McDonald's, and then he became like the, like, 
South Texas or something regional manager for. Uh, I think it's really like that Jim My God, it's not that bad. Like I thought it was going to be really watered down or really flat, but like my God, it's good. I, I'm glad you did like three quarters of that. But no, he was like he was a former hockey player for the um, Jersey Devils, and like his he's friends with the guy who is like the general manager now for the um, Red Wings, and a couple of, like they all played together on the same team. We had this long conversation. He was just getting out. He was literally just getting out. Talking. Huge guy. Huge guy. So I like I believed him. I have no reason to not believe him. That would be the most, like, either you believe him or he's a sociopath that's going to murder me. I mean, one or the other. At least you come out of it with an interesting story. Dude, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. But, no, that's like, he was like the regional manager for Whataburger, and I was talking to him about it. He hated not working. He was getting his knee fixed. But he's driving Uber. I love God, I love Uber sometimes. Uber drivers have like made some of my trips way more enjoyable than the actual trips themselves. I picked up an Uber driver once when I was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Like you were driving Uber and you picked up an Uber driver? No, like I picked up a chick who was driving Uber. Oh. That was probably like in the, in the book of like tick off the boxes of what I've done. Is this supposed to be about politics? Who cares? Um, let it go where it goes. Just live in the yeah. moment. I just, just, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Be with us. Um, I was loaded, and I was downtown in Lexington, and I ordered uh, an Uber to go home because I was being safe. And, like, I do the normal, like, what are you up to, house thing. She's like, well, I just finalized my divorce, like, two days ago, and I'm just driving Uber to do whatever. And I go, Mazel tov. Literally. So I was like, what are you doing driving Uber? It was like a Friday night. I was like, what are you doing driving Uber? Let's go get a drink. And she, like, pulls over, and she turns around, and she goes, Okay. <laughs> and, so, and so she closed out the tab and we went and got like I got double loaded she got single loaded and then you know did you have to pay for the Uber no she drove me home for free oh that's a good deal and then she left her wallet at my place and I had to mail it to her in the morning which was like cause she like lived like two and a half hours away and I was leaving town and so I put it on like overnight to like get to her but like yeah I I like picked up I was totally plastered, though. Like, that was like a... That was weird. It's just one of those things where it's like... I wonder if people, like, 20 years from now... I wonder if Uber is still going to be a thing. I definitely think ride-sharing is going to be around. But people are going to be listening to this, hopefully, as long as the world's not over and that type of shit. And they're going to be like, well, he, he picked up a, a, a woman in a what? What's happening yeah. now? It's like Instant Messenger, right? Like In- AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah. Or, or Blockbuster. You see Blockbuster finally reactivated their Twitter recently. No, but I did see that the um, the last blockbuster you, you can rent on Airbnb and sleep there. They've got a couch and a giant plasma screen TV and sleeping like, bags. Still renting videos like if you're if you're there, like do they close it down when you sleep there, or can you like bang someone while people are renting videos? Out there? You you can do whatever you want. Start a meth lab, have like an eyes wide shut type of orgy party. Like they're basically letting you do whatever the you Illuminati want. Illuminati is actually going to rent. Blockbuster and have that's because that's all they do at a little bit. It just seems like something they would do. They're no longer at Chantilly for Bilderberg, they have to be a blockbuster. And they've lost, they've lost Epstein Island, right? So, like, they have to be that last blockbuster. Where's the last blockbuster? Alaska or something? It's like in Iowa. Is it Iowa? Random Midwest place. I've got a computer with me and the internet. How much does it cost to rent? The last it wasn't much either. The thing is, though, you had you have to be a local. You have to be a local, so you have to be a resident of the town. It's their way of giving back to the community. Can I just tell you, I'm um, I'm very highly rated on uh, on Airbnb. Does your Does your roommate know that? Oh wait, you're not listing this places. 
you're not listening. This place on Airbnb. No, no, no. I'm, I'm highly rated as like a traveler because when I travel the country, like it's cheaper. I'm like I'm digging here. There's an article in Airbnb. Here it is. Um, entire house hosted by Sandy, four dollars a night. <laughs> okay, it is like there's no booking dates. It's all booked up for like the next. I'm into 2021. I'm into like July 2021. Everything is booked. It's a good fucking deal. Four dollars. It's hosted by Sandy. Let's learn about Sandy. Her identity is verified. Sandy looks like a, a blockbuster manager. Like, is she giving off like Karen vibes it's a, it's a or what? Okay, that sounds like the place that would still have a blockbuster video active. Like this will, yes, this will. I mean, it, it looks. Like who, who, who's the comedian who's like you could tell a lot about people? John Mulaney when he's like, you know, uh, one time I was on the phone of Blockbuster Video, and that, that should tell you how old I am. It, it comes with so from from what I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. It comes with like enough pizza for you and everyone who's showing up. Unlimited drinks. You can use as many of the video games and v, I guess they have VHS tapes, Blu-rays, they do. DVDs, they do. and you can just do whatever the hell you want for the entire night. I love this. This is this is why I think the the myth of Blockbuster is going to outlive many other businesses. Like if Best Buy dies, I don't think anyone will give a shit about I Best Buy. I legit had to pause for a second and remember. Circuit City actually used to give um, a sales commission for sales at their store for, like, albums and stuff like that, for, like, CDs and shit. And no one buys those anymore. I remember, remember when, like, CDs used to sell out? Were you old enough for I, that? You're younger than I, me. I was, I was still buying CDs because I remember the first thing my parents got me when I was a kid to listen to music it was a Walkman, and it was not just a regular Walkman. It was a skip-proof Walkman. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. But I remember it was Maroon 5's first CD. I was living in Australia. This is how I know it was really strange. I was living in Queensland, and Maroon 5 in the United States had just become popular, and it was kind of dying down. By the time it was dying down in the States, in Australia, you would have thought like it was the second coming of Christ. Oh my god, we got new music and everything. It was strange. Since World War II and fascism has died down in the world, now they've suddenly picked it up in Australia. It's like it's the new thing there. Every, everything is delayed. It's like our 90s, the Canadians were still probably living in the 80s. Oh, probably, probably still are. Yeah. Uh, but, but speaking of which, here, here's, the, here's what I've been excited about for, for weeks, months now. The, the last thing we got to work on together when I was at the Times was the digital series where it basically started in the most awkward of ways. You told me you were leaving DC and you didn't know you were coming back. Yeah. And at that point I was like, well, if you're going to do that right now, at least film it. And oh, that's the second died. one. Someone just died outside. There's a drug company. How can you tell if, some, if, if like, do, do the different sirens represent something different? One is them just getting through the red light to go get a coffee. And the other. If, if you see an ambulance, if the light's on but no siren, it means they're carrying a dead body. Doesn't? Yeah, it means move, but we're not going to force you to move. Have you ever been in an ambulance by the like, Yes. Like, like, people don't realize they need to get over on the side of the road when there's an ambulance. Because, like, I blew a knee out a couple of times. I tore my two I tore two of the four kind of quads off of one of my knees once. My knee wouldn't stay in place. It was the most painful shit in the world. Like, it would have been better if I just broke my leg, to be honest. That's what the, the um, orthopedist, is that who it was? Whatever, the orthopedic doctor told me. Um, but like I was in the back of an ambulance and like after that, like, I mean, not that I wouldn't get over anyway, but I get over faster. 
because you just never know what's going on in the back of an ambulance. These people are getting carted off to the. I was I, I got knocked out during a game of basketball at school. I got like hit right in the side of the head that where it's like whatever pressure point is right there, whatever temple. It's like you just press that with not, with enough pressure, you're out. Doesn't matter whether you're me or like LeBron James, you get hit right there, you're just gone. And I just wake up. And I'm in the ambulance, and I'm just like, I don't know where I am right now, but it's cold in here. Can we do something about that? And then I wound up in the hospital. Good Lord. All right, so you want to talk about my trip? Yes. Yeah, so I don't want to digress, because I could digress you all. I could digress all day later. Yeah, so, like, uh, th- this is, th- I, I got to tell you, and I mean, I've said this publicly, so I don't mind saying it again here. It was one of the coolest things I got to do, and maybe it was because of the timing. Yeah, because you hated everything else at that well, be, point. Be, because everything else was just so terrible. They closed down movie theaters, comics aren't printing, Netflix. I, I've watched Extraction like 20 times, and I mean, there was just nothing else going on. So this was like the only entertainment I had. It turned into a pilot TV show, too, by the way. What? Okay, spill from the beginning. From, from the beginning. Yeah. What made you leave? I hate this fucking town. So everything okay, was shut what down. More? So like, all I was doing every day was like I was in prison. I gained like 15 pounds on the road. I was losing weight. I was running every day. And I'm like, this is what fucking prison is. Like, because they let you out in the yard a little bit. You're stuck at home. They have all these stupid regulations on you. And so it was either stay here and be miserable in Washington, D.C., where like, you know, mask orders were like picking up early and whatever. You know, what are we on? Day like, right now, it's like day like 165 of 15 days to flatten the curve. Fuck it's, it's, it's Fauci's Groundhog Day. There was, where was I yesterday? I was in uh, Adams Morgan, by the way, and somebody had like a I love Dr. Fauci sign in the front of the yard, and I screamed fuck you at their house. I wasn't even drunk. I was just screaming fuck you. Um, I should have taken it or set it on fire. Anyway, whatever. Um, it's legal, basically, but you're of the wrong skin tone to do that. Uh, yeah, I'm a Republican, too, so it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, I was like, let's just get on the road. So the, so the first thing was this. I was like, my, my landlord was going to visit his mom. And, like, he's, he's old. I don't know how. I think he's, like, in his 50s. And his mom's, like, in her, like, late 80s or something. He was going to go see her. Keep her and, away from Cuomo. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, she's in Texas. And he's like, hey, you know, flights to Texas are, like, 30 bucks. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, take a look at it. And so I go, okay. So I planned this trip to go into Austin to go see my friend for three days. And it was, like, fly in 39 bucks, fly out 19. And I'm sitting there. And on, like, day two, I go... Why am I going back? Let's just do something with this. And so I pitched to the Washington Times that I'm going to just, like, drive. They're like, whatever, because they don't care. Let's discuss the pitch. <laughs> the pitch was, look, I'm just going to drive around and write about it. Yeah. It wasn't even, like, doing the video thing. The video thing didn't come into play came, until later. came a few days afterwards because you had already published one piece. And it that, was like, just... Rand Paul and the White House shared. Yeah, so after that, it's like you're, you're, you're hitting something. Yeah. And, that, and then you call me a few days after that. You've had some time to simmer on this and thing. Probably like 10 o'clock at night. At that point, I was working third shifts at, at, at the social media desk. And, and, Making you know, $3 an hour. Essentially. It was, it was slave wages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you, you They'll never listen me. to this, so I can just say. I'm not worried at all. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> well, I'm not either. They, they cut my pay back there. I'm like, why? why? Anyway. It's, it's all it's, out of love. That's so, what happens. But, So Tim calls me after this piece has happened, and... He's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to drive around. And I'm like, where are you going to drive around to? And you're like, I don't know, but I just went through a Minot, South Dakota, and I got pulled over Minot, by the North cops. Dakota. Minot, North Dakota. No, no, I got pulled over in um, Mission, South Dakota. Is where this is how you know it was going to be good. Oh, yeah, the, the Native American cops pulled me over, and they did the, um, they did the old, you're not from here, are, you're not from around here, are you, boy? And I laughed out loud. 
<laughs> like, I don't think he's ever had, like, this cop, I don't think ever had anyone laugh hysterically when he, he said that. That might be white privilege talking. Um, but I was like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. That's never happened to me. Thanks, sir. I was like, um, yeah, I'm a reporter. I was like, I'm a reporter here doing some coverage on uh, COVID. And he goes, oh, oh, well, have fun. Be safe. Drive, drive slower. You can see so much here. Mission is the most depressing fucking place. Like there, I went to. So this is where you started after you. I should have started before then because I got turned around from tribal lands. Mission has to be open, but I got turned around. There's a road actually. Um, Christine Noem, the governor of South Dakota, had a problem with uh, whatever tribe is in the middle of the state keeping people off of tribal lands, and, and so, so it's like they have a bad history of the white man. <laughs> They're like the white guy's going to bring COVID onto our property, and I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Listen. Don't accept blankets from him. Hey, by the way, you got a pile of bourbon behind you. Hand me the one with the blue label. No, 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 behind you. Yeah. By the way, in my apartment, there are literally, there's almost like 400 bottles of bourbon. This is, I'm having Remzo hand me Old Forester 1910. This is just stuff, this is like excess stuff from my birthday party that's on the ground. I literally have... I've never seen so many people walk out with like bottle after bottle. Well, I did a fundraiser for my favorite... um, my favorite barbecue place. That was a blast. Most of no, the, probably the largest number of people I've seen in a condensed space well, in months. So that, the reason I did it was that I knew people wanted to come out and I wanted to benefit the thing. And I knew that they were following the social distancing bullshit policies. And so how do you throw a 40th birthday party? I just turned 40 in a place where you can get all of your people together. And it was, you close out a restaurant. And so I closed out a restaurant where they were playing by the rules and uh, and I brought bourbon, and everybody left with a bottle of bourbon. It was epic. And they were able to use the money. I raised enough money for them to buy, to not only give a bonus to every one of their um, their uh, servers, which is what I wanted, but also to buy all new outdoor furniture, which they desperately needed to be able to make more. I mean, they raised a couple thousand dollars that night. So I can believe it. I mean, it was great. Anyway, so I was uh, okay. So let, let, let's backtrack a little bit. You leave DC. You originally go Texas for three days. On day two, you're like, "Fuck it, I'm not going back." Then you go from Texas to North Dakota. Yeah, because why not? Oh, I hadn't been South Dakota and North Dakota before. I wanted to knock out the low. Suddenly, it turned into knocking out the lower 48 states. I'm sitting around with my friend, drunk in her backyard, because um, she had not left her house because she was paranoid in Austin. So I'm like, whatever. So I went to the liquor store, got her all her favorite beer. I literally stocked her cabinet full of bourbon and everything else you could want. So, like, I stayed with her for free. Good friend of mine. Has ups and downs. She was kind of in a down, like a rut. A lot of people went through a rut during this. So I'm like, I'm going to stock your, like, bourbon and whatever and then bring you all the beer you want. So I'm sitting around in the backyard. uh, Got totally sunburned. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I, why am I going back? And I turned around and I go, why am I going back? She goes, dude, I don't know. It's not like you needed to be here to do your job. No. Because all my jobs were, like distance anyway you should ask me about my fox 5 job before we get over with this um what happened with that they cut me due to budget but i think it was something else um they literally told me they told me so many times when they were letting me go that it was it had nothing to do with me and my personality and they said it was great on tv they said it so many times that i was like actually let's just cover that right now um do before, it. i'm gonna go fill this up you start yeah, talking um you got the spy burn bottle right there don't you the uh the yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's the um, the Kirkland one. Dude, that is. The I, I I was when, when you told okay just just off the bat when I think Kirkland I'm not thinking good whiskey. It's oh, great. 
So between that, the bourbon is down behind you over there, too. I pulled it out for people at the birthday party, and they were like, what in the world is it the best stuff? Um, Kirkland, again, another brand that B&H Photo, Kirkland. I love fucking Kirkland. Um, so they're like, it has nothing to do with you. They did cut a few other people the same day that they cut me. Don't get me wrong. Um, and also, like, Fox in general, the, the Murdoch Onos, they cut back on, like, extra sports programming. So they cut, like, the additional, like, WWE programming. How, how recent was this? <sighs> So it was when I was in Birmingham, actually with the guys who... So the reason I knew about WWE programming getting cut was I was hanging out in the middle of nowhere in Birmingham with the guys who do all the costuming for WWE because my life is dope. Again, like I went on this trip that was epic. Um, And two months? I don't know. But anyway, so like if you watch the show, so I used to do this stupid show, like it or not, um, which I thought was stupid. Like I just thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I hope they listen to this. It's dumb as fuck. They just want something. Was the money good? No. Okay, that's stupid. They pay, like, minimums. They pay, like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk. I don't give a shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this or not. But, like, they pay, like, nothing. Like, people on TV get paid nothing to do what they do. Like, nothing. Local TV, they just think that they're going to be stars. And a lot of them think they're, like, I want to preface. He's still sober right now. Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't anything else talking about. No, there's, listen, I don't, I don't behave any differently drunk than I do sober. Uh, that makes one of us. Please continue. These people are working their asses off. And local news, like, they work their asses off to make stories, and they get paid nothing for it. And, like, so I was paid to be, like, a commentator and a talking head. And, like, so I would do the show, like it or not, that was, like, they would come in and be, like, Beyonce's dropping a new album today. What do you think? And I'm, like, fuck me. Like, fuck me. Like, I don't want to talk about this dumb shit. This is, like, insulting to me. And so, like, every time, like, a mask thing would come up or anything, like, a Black Lives Matter would come up, like, anything. So, like, they're losing sponsors at the same time, right? Because, like, they... Everybody was yes. WMAL. Everything's got local WTOP. Business. Everything's got runs off of like local businesses. So when they don't get the commercials to fill a commercial break, they have to do like PSA. When you lose the Hadid Carpen Center, you're not doing well. So I was thinking about this actually before we did this podcast, and that's why I was excited to bring this up. Um, so like, I would be like. BLM is just a bunch of rioters and it's a scam because they hate Israel and they're Marxists. And also mask orders don't work and masks are bullshit because like you touch your, it's the scientifically proven. You touch your masks more, you touch your face more when you have a mask. It's on. the most contaminated thing you're going to come in contact. Yes, and also like most of the masks people wear are like one time use supposed to be in um, like sterile environments. So like I would say that and then they would throw to their local PSAs and it would be like black lives are important. That's why. And then after that one was over, it was like, wear your mask and save your neighbor. So, like, literally, you have this guy on your program who is like, I don't give a fuck about the Beyonce thing or Taylor Swift's new whatever the fuck. And then, the, and then like, BLM is dumb and also uh, uh, mask orders are retarded. And so, like, am I allowed to say retarded? What, I, I don't care. I've already say? said fuck several times. Please keep going. Offend- yeah. Um, and then they would run these PSAs that were like alternate. It's sort of like socially acceptable people do not listen to this podcast. No, it's fine. And so in like 2012, the same thing happened to me. So Mitt Romney, when he lost the election, I hated Mitt Romney. I've hated, I have a long history of hating Mitt Romney. I had, uh, so I had two number one eBooks on, um, amazon.com actually beat Glenn Beck's, Beck's book back in the day when it was released and it beat the Bible. One of my books beat the Bible on the free releases. It was number six on overall Amazon on free releases once. All you had to say was, I beat the Bible once. The Bible. And the Quran. Because um, the Bible always beats the Quran in America. Um, so, I was on. It's like it went back through my throat and like up through my nose for a second because I'm trying to breathe and drink at the same time. And so, I did. Um, 
so that – you know what's really crazy though is that like there's, there's actually uh, Democrat oppo research. Like someone's going to listen to this and like try to tear it apart. And we'll get to They're that. They're out there. People, people like fact-checking me is fucking insane to me by the way. Um, I'm right most of the time. But anyway, so, uh, uh, so I read a book on Mitt Romney back in the day that was like – I did Fifty Shades of Obama and Fifty Shades of Romney. It was like Fifty Shades of Obama – Hint, they're all lies, and Fifty Shades of Romney, hint, they're all white. And Romney's, like, I did everything. I talked about all the craziest parts of, like, uh, Mormonism, like, all of their beliefs, because their belief systems, uh, like, it's, uh, uh, so if you gave me a choice between, if you were like, you can only pick one religion for the rest of your life, is it Scientology or uh, Mormonism? Scientology. 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 (laughs) Like, in a heartbeat. Okay, tell tell me if this is true. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. I'll totally forget this. Is it just me? Sign me up for Sea Org right, right now. now. Okay, like seriously though, like if you are a if you are anything in media or politics in this town, the Scientologist will reach out to you at least twice. Did you ever get an, a formal invite no, to do the to do like the ketone measurement bullshit thing? Oh, now now you maybe now now you maybe um, thetans they they test your thetan level. You hold like a bop it like a. Yeah, and and this and this thing from like Star Trek moves around. I had a, I met a I met a guy once years ago here, and he was um he was trying to hustle me on the street. I've never gotten an email. Peta and Peta emailed me when I was on Fox Five a bunch, like my personal email. Um, I used to get a bunch of stuff in my Fox Five email. It was crazy. Like I was like, how do you even know how to find what my Fox Five email is? Um, but like, uh, I had a guy on the street try to hustle me Scientology here in town. And he's like, are you stressed out ever? And I'm like, nah. He goes, no, wait, what? Because that's their line. Because, you know, thetans, it's because the alien soul is inside of you, and it makes your thetan level go up and makes you feel stressed. That's their spin. It's the curse of humanity, according to what's-her-name from King of Queens. Oh, yeah, uh, Leah Remini. Yes. That show is fucking crazy. But she's out of it. Yeah, and she's trying to pull other people out of it, too. And she she almost got... Murdered by them? Well, that, but who, who's, who's, who's the guy from Greece? John Travolta? She almost got John Travolta out. And she, she failed to get John Travolta out. Oh, well, he's probably a very high ranking. You know that Tom Cruise is a god, right? Yes, to them, yeah. Which is why for his next Mission Impossible, where he's going to space, not only is he going to make a giant record and a ton of money by doing that. Take on Lord Zeno? Yes, because it's part of their prophecy. I shit you not. Not only is he doing this to make a ton of fucking money, but it's part of it. They're, okay, their 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 thing. They keep adding to it, and they added another thing for Tom Cruise, I guess, to get more money out of them. That's amazing to me. Um, so what were we even talking about? Oh, so the thetan levels. So like this guy stopped me on the road, uh, the road side of the road, whatever, up in Columbia Heights, where I lived for a little bit in, in DC, and like. Oh, I almost got mugged in Columbia Heights. I got robbed at gunpoint down the street from here. There's a whole thing. Like, USA 9 did a whole segment on it, by the way. I would, like, do USA 9 and Fox 5 at the same time, and USA 9 would promote it. And, like, the things, the segments I did on USA 9 before I signed with Fox 5 would go viral, literally viral, through all of their, like, they would they would take my segments and put them around and, like, um, oh, God, what's the company that runs USA 9? I forget what it is, but that would go viral. And then this stuff. They're not Sinclair, are they? No, 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 no. No. Um, but they would go viral there, and then I would go and like say like crazier stuff on Fox Five that would like should work better, and they never promoted it through the Fox networks. It was like literally they they literally watched what another network was doing and saw that it would do really well, and they were like, let's just sign the guy and then sit on him, which like good for you. Have me talk about Beyonce and then tell you how much I hate like how much I hate all of your topics on your stupid fucking show at seven o'clock, and then have me talk about how masks don't work and Black Lives Matter is just a bunch of rioters and Marxists that hate uh, Israel, and. Um, 
and then run your PSAs on how everything is great. Like, like what was Mission South Dakota like? Sleeping with a vice president of the company. Um, Mission South Dakota was empty. <laughs> Don't do that, by the way. Um, Mission South Dakota was empty, and uh, they had like a fried food place where I sat in the parking lot for a bit. So when I set the when I set the navigation to Mission South Dakota, I was like, "There will surely there will be something here." No, there's nothing in Mission South Dakota. And it was like that before all the shutdowns. Yeah. It's yeah. just an empty ass state. Their only export is like bison and George McGovern. But, but, but yeah, but like. Um, Mission, there wasn't anything there, but like Rapid City was great, and so was like so. So the highlight of my trip was uh, across the state in um, the Black Hills and Mount Rushmore. I thought it was amazing. Which, by the way, uh, somewhere along the line, I, I left. I'm on all the dating apps, but was and like the Coffee Meets Bagel dating app stays located in D.C. when you travel, and all these liberal assholes are on there. I won't use the B word because a hole is is universal. All these liberal assholes are on there. And these chicks, like, they were like, what was your favorite part of your trip? And I was like, fucking Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills. There's nothing like it. It's gorgeous. It's the most, like, I think the most amazing part of this country. Like, there's there's remarkable things. But, like, I sat outside there and just took in nature. Like, it, I, I don't like nature. Um, and I took it in. And I was like, holy moly, this, there's nothing like this. Um, I, 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 lived, I lived overseas, and I've gotten the, to be blessed enough to travel overseas a, a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I tell people, you don't have to go to another continent to see, you know, just complete out-of-this-world beauty. It's in the oh. United States. Well, yeah, we're not even to the Amtrak right up the coast, but uh, Coast California that everybody, every old person told me to do, and I did it for, like, $109 because I was a little late booking, and it should have been $89 at the time when I did it. But, um, but like... So like these girls on on uh, that that are these liberal pieces of shit on um, coffee meets bagel on these dating apps in D.C. are just like they fucking hate America. It's like fuck you. Like you're in a country that like you get to actually hate the country. Like there are other countries where if you hate the country, you say it. Up. Say it. They all lived in Georgetown. Uh, some of them did. <laughs> like this one chick was like, she was like, "What was your favorite part?" And she's like, really into the conversation. And I was like, Mount Rushmore. And she's like, "Oh, I don't know. I, I don't really like approve of Mount Rushmore." And I'm like, "I don't give a flying fuck. Like, you wouldn't have the opportunities you have right now if not for those founding fathers that are on Mount Rushmore. I don't give a fuck about you. You don't like like if you hate America." Fucking leave. I, I don't. I here. don't like Teddy Roosevelt's politics at all. But even I know enough common sense to know that you know Teddy was a good American. Yeah. It was, a, and so like when they say that, like I literally tell them to fuck off. There's probably screenshots. Some girls like I'm gonna get this guy. And then, Can you believe what he said to me? Yeah. Fuck you if you don't like America. Like that's a whole thing. Like I just don't. I don't understand. I don't know how it gets to that point with these assholes that don't realize they're like, oh, I'm so limited and blah blah. blah. It's like you just went to an Ivy League school. Your parents are worth like a gazillion dollars. You know, you, you come to DC. You make like two hundred a year doing nothing but talking and being like fake significant, doing making no change, whatever. Like I, one of my ex girlfriends was a. Um, she did like income inequality. Like, she talked about how, like, black women don't make as much as, like, anybody else because, like, you know, you have to move the, 
you have to move the goalposts, like if you can, like to, to make it as extreme as possible. She she still believes that women get paid less than men for doing the same work. Yeah, even though as a white woman, she's getting paid two hundred thousand dollars to talk about how black women don't make a lot of money. It's like fuck you, like fuck you. How do you not look at this and realize like that you're like, you're li- you're living hypocrisy? I just could you imagine, Remzo, like uh, the work that we do, like we could literally show up and do the same things that they do and make the same excuses for things and say the same talking points because they've done nothing to advance anything. None of these people are going into, like, the hood in Baltimore and helping out, like, black families and people who actually need help. They're just bitching about, like, some stupid statistic that they pulled up that you can actually, like, debunk if you take a look at, like, women wanting to raise families in, like, different locations in the country and things like that. Like, I'm not saying white privilege doesn't... I, I literally acknowledged white privilege earlier because that guy, like, nodded off. I, I, I think everyone has biases, but I think it just comes down to where you are in the present opportunities. Yes. And, like, in my, in my first book, Stay Away from Libertarians, in, like, the second chapter, I'm talking about, you know, the, the elitist coastal mindset that has really began to shape the way that politics seem for, you know, middle Americans. You know, I, I, I dedicate part to Marie Harf because Marie Harf is only on Fox every night because of white privilege. Yes. She, she, she went to a, to a prestigious Virginia school. She got a job at the CIA, literally doing nothing for two years. Then she went directly to the State Department and said that ISIS is only around because they don't have good jobs programs and global warming. I'm sorry, Marie, but they live in a fucking desert. It was always <laughs> shitty. And now she's getting paid way too much fucking money to go talk about shit that she's not qualified to talk about on Fox. It doesn't matter. She's she's a pretty face on Fox. Like, look, the booking is not. It's not not like rocket science. The standards are very non-existent. I've, I've gone off on rants. Did I do it on Sirius XM? I might have done it on Sirius XM once. I've gone off. Maybe also when I used to do the podcast with that Never Trumper at uh, at Washington Times. Um, the, I've gone off on rants about how. There are incredibly intelligent, hardworking women in this town that get looked over every fucking day. And in Marie Harsh's defense, the only the only compliment I'll give her, she's not hard to look at. Yeah. We can go ahead and address that elephant. A lot of women who are getting put on TV and a lot of men like, listen, I I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Work with what you got. I was told, by the way, that um, some networks are afraid of me because they don't that I'm like a. Like I'm a uh, kind of a loose cannon. They're not sure what I'll say on air. I know that. Do they say that as a compliment or as a negative? 50-50. Ah. Obviously, they don't want the ratings. Um, but like you, you watch a lot of these shows, and it's the same clowns saying the same things all the time. Like the the host will be like, "Hey, Donald Trump did X Y Z," and then like the 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 commentator will be like, "Donald Trump did X Y Z," and then the other person Orange will be like, "Man, bad." I don't. Yeah, that's and that's what the other guy says. And then it'll be like, "But Donald Trump did X Y Z," and it's like literally the same thing back and forth. And I'm like, "This is it's just pong, but with faces." How how do how do these channels get ratings other than like dead people, old people die, and become dead people in front of the TVs, and the TV just stays on? I think that's how it works. It's got to be something like that. I think, and I think the pandemic has shown us something more clearly. We're at, we're past the point of denial. We're, we're, we're addicted to outrage. It, it, plain, plain and simple. We, we, we love the fight. It's like when you go on social media, your lizard brain comes out, and every instinct is telling you, call that person a Nazi. Yell at this person. Say they're bought out by Soros. If I had a, This is what I love about being a libertarian, Tim. Yeah. And I know that you're not fond of my uh, you know, on-the-spectrum people, but you know, ev- everyone hates us. 
Everyone does. I'm called a leftist almost as much as I'm called a, a crazy right winger. And, and it wow. just comes down to the point where people just like to fight because they feel that justifies their existence. If they're not openly antagonistic about every little thing, they have no reason to exist. But, but okay, listen, libertarian. <laughs> Preach. Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. I'm not voting for I'm voting for Kanye. He's on the ballot in Virginia. That's, that's a better, it. that's who you should have fucking got as your candidate. The libertarians should have like done outreach. Have you seen, did you ever see the night that I had a little bit too much to drink and I posted something that I probably shouldn't have posted about the libertarian party? Which night? Um, I posted one thing once that one of your, one of the people who is traveling around with Joe Jorgensen right now was like, would you ever consider running for president? And I go, like 20 years from now, like 20 years from now, maybe, like if I'm like bored. And I was, they were like, would you, like, I mean, would you consider maybe like being like the libertarian nominee? And I go, fuck no. They would take OJ Simpson if he showed up. I could have had a bus with my face on the side. And a staff. I could have had a bus with my face on the side. You could still do that. Probably. They'd probably flip out Joe, <laughs> Joe Jorgensen. Give me, get the fuck out of here. I, I think Kanye is going to do more to make people question our institutions than anyone else. And yes. I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't like talking shit about people I've never had direct contact with. I've never met this woman. And in my defense, I'm not also, talking shit about her, but she's, yeah, like, she's I, I, Jorgensen. I what did she do before? Like a lot of their people who were running for president these years. I wrote the fucking book on the history of the modern libertarian movement from 1990 to 2016. You're a libertarian celebrity. I mean, What's it's that? it's not a big reach, but like, listen, I want you to. Twelve talk. people think. I, like, no, here's the thing. thing. I I am I am glad that you have number one. You're a normal human being that's a libertarian, which is like, like I'm so glad we caught that on. On record, well, somebody know, said it. Like I, I've met so many who are like just constantly smoking weed, and I'm not even making that up, or like talking about their weird sex things. Like I just I don't understand. Like they're always weirdos. You're not a weirdo, and like you should you should have been the nominee. Are you 35? No. Well, when you turn 35, I swear to God, Remzo, you should. Don't wish that evil upon me, Ricky Bobby. Don't do that. <laughs> so I went to Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> what was what was that like? That was after mission. I met the woman I'm dating right now in Minot, North Dakota. Oh, nice. Is she still there? Her family has a, um, has a farm there, and she lives in Minnesota. Did you kidnap her off the reservation? No. So she, I was her Good first white date. She's been through a lot, but I was her first date in a while, and she's like, whatever. And I was like, I, I'll be honest with you. I was like, you can Google me or whatever. But like, she just seemed like a normal human. I was like, you can Google me or whatever. God, you make and, it sound like you're Mia Khalifa on a first date. I want to be up front with you. She's still around. As a sports commentator, one of my favorite stops, by the way, was hanging out with a porn star in Jacksonville, Florida. But I mean, yeah. we we gotta get to that. You're in Mission now. No, you're in Minot. Minot. I'm Minot. in Minot, North Dakota, and uh, and I was like, look, there's nothing to do here. There's a couple of really good places. There's a really good coffee shop. So when people go to work in Minot, North Dakota, like corporations um, pay a lot of money. So the manager at the Starbucks was making like one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that, and she started her own coffee shop and floral place. And, like, God, I want to go back to Minot because this chick is awesome. Like, she was just, like, a boss. She was, like, an Austin hipster that had a coffee shop and, like, really made a business. And her business did not falter because – and this isn't the girl that I went out with. But her business didn't falter because she had bougie coffee in town and the only bougie coffee in town. And so she would deliver it to hospitals. And she kept her business up by doing, like, delivery to all of the hospitals anyway. So, like, that chick – 
is a fucking badass. Like, that's that's the kind of person I want to hear from on TV. Those are the people building America. Yes, yes. 1,000%. Genuinely. Um, this chick was like, uh, I was talking to her for a bit, and I was like, look, I'm bored to death. There's nothing to do in town. There's one, like, kind of bougie, like, burger place where they have, like, elk burgers and moose burgers and stuff like that. They're always overpriced, and they never taste as good. They don't. But, like, so we got together, and we just hung out, and we had a good time. Nothing happened. We just had, like, a great time hanging out and, and traveled town a little bit. And uh, she came to the hotel where, like, there was, like, a fireplace in the front. Nobody was there. And, like, actually the manager of the hotel recognized me, which is very bizarre um, because her husband's a super conservative and stuff. And, and we just had a good time, and we kept seeing each other. And uh, that's who I ended up going to see in Minnesota when all of the riots happened. I was there when all the riots broke loose for George Floyd in Minneapolis. And so... I was there to see her. So, like, it was a really cool... I met a really good person that's, like, been through a lot, and... And, uh, that's and you wouldn't have had that opportunity if you just hadn't gone out of, you know... Gone, if, if you had not chosen to leave your comfort zone and just do something completely random. Yes. And, and was well, the intention just to drive around until you feel like you've naturally met the end of your journey? Or what, what yeah. were you trying to find? Nothing. I was just having a good time. I want to go knock out the lower 48... And then I had the governor of Alaska on uh, on uh, Sirius XM last week, and I'm working out my trip to go to Alaska, so I need to knock out Alaska and Hawaii. I have no desire to go to Hawaii at all. I don't care about beaches. I'm not a beach Oahu's person. Oahu's overrated. I could care less about it, but I want to do Alaska, and I want to do, like, a, um, a big flying around thing. But anyway, like, like so, like, um, so I did Minot, and I came back down, and I did, like... I loved Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska was given a middle finger to everything with all the COVID shutdowns. They were wide open in downtown Omaha with like the coolest. Don't they have like twenty people though? Yeah, but like, but the state was supposed to be shut down. Omaha was like fu, and like all these businesses were open, and it was like one of the best places I stopped in before going back to like I think I went to Wichita, Kansas, and I hung out with the head of a oil and gas company, like this like billionaire executive at like one of his gas stations. He's doing this new um, ethanol gas station where like ethanol, you can apparently have up to like 50% ethanol in gas and it actually is, it burns cleaner and it burns more efficiently. You know, the problem is that for most engines, it'll like totally kill your engine. Not true. Cleans it. There's no study. Okay. Explain to me, break it down. So it's, it's like big pharma. There's like big petroleum. And apparently, like, it's untrue, and they've been trying to keep this guy out. So he was an executive for one of the big ones. I don't want to say which one and and be wrong. And he, like, went through everything. He showed me all the science. He showed me all the studies. Like, we hung out. We were, like, sitting at a gas pump, like, going through studies and stuff. Like, literally sitting on the side of the road. Just having, like, a good old conversation. I sat there for, like, three hours with this guy. It was was remarkable. Absolutely a remarkable time. Um, So then uh, continued down, came back down to Austin. No, sorry, came back down to Dallas where my friend who I went to law school with, my lawyer, who's one of my great friends, and her husband is a heart surgeon. Like, they are the, like, epitome of, like, the most American awesome family. They have four kids. They're wonderful. Um, And they were like, why are you going home? Stay here for, like, you know, two more weeks or something like that. So I go drop off my car. You're back in Texas. I'm back in Texas. I come back down to Texas. I'm skipping around because there's lots of bits and pieces. So I go and deliver the, re- the rental car in Austin, then get, get on an Amtrak train to go up to Dallas to go stay with my friends who live in a part of Dallas, kind of a wealthier part of Dallas, because she's an attorney and he's a heart surgeon. They have a spare room. They're like, why would you go back to D.C.? It's all locked down. Why don't you stay here? And I go, well, how long am I supposed to stay here? They're like, just do like a week and a half to see what happens. So I stay there for a week and a half, and they're like convincing me to stay in Texas. And in the middle of it, I'm like, I don't want to like take advantage of this. But, like, oh, I have a friend in Los Angeles that lives on Hollywood Boulevard. Why don't I go there? 
The flight is 50 bucks. So, no brainer. I hop on a flight to Los Angeles from Dallas. Go over, hang out with my buddy who lives on Hollywood Boulevard. We walk. Oh, I, I, I gotta stop you because this is one thing that just blew my fucking mind. You're, you're going to some pretty, you know, heavily visited airports. The photos and the videos you took, you were like the only one there in half those terminals. Yeah. How, how creepy is that? Because that's something you would only think in like that, like in horror films or that, that movie of Tom Hanks' Terminal where he's like living in the airport for years. At least he had people. I got to be honest with you. It's a dream of mine because uh, I love empty places. <laughs> like I get to go see everything with nobody there. Like I get to go around and nobody's there. And now like you go to airports and there are literally people wearing hazmat suits because they've lost their fucking minds. Yes. There are, I actually asked the other day when I was flying through uh, Dallas again, actually. I said, hey, how many people have you seen in hazmat suits? And the lady goes, at least two a week. These are just people wanting to go fly. Yes. That are in hazmat If you have to wear a hazmat suit to go fly. Live in your, live in your basement. Yeah, and like, unless like grandma is dying. At what point like, come just, on. At, at what point are you so afraid that it's just like, just kill yourself? Like, I don't want to be like negative about this. Like, well, like how, how many people – I don't think we're going to see this regardless as to what happens because I don't think Trump or Biden, regardless of who ends up be, being or staying president, and I think it's going to be Trump. But, like, I don't think anyone wants to be the president that says because of this I, – I, I personally believe potentially millions of Americans killed themselves. We just will never – record. Oh, no yeah. one wanted to record that. Oh, yeah. But it's, I, it's, I know two people – I, I genuinely know two people within the last four months who killed themselves. I know one last week. Yeah. And it's, and it's like they're, they're living in fear and then they've lost everything. I mean, like what combo, like it's awful. But these people and, and like these idiots who wear these hazmat suits don't make things any better. Um, listen, motherfuckers, you have a, you have a immune system. Like that's the thing. Like it will. This whole thing went from flatten the curve to no one can get sick anymore. Yes. That's all it's come to. Mm-hmm. And if you actually look at the real scientific studies on masks, they don't work, and they actually increase the oppor- the opportunity for you to touch your face. Well, I mean, it also, also, if you're that paranoid, then isn't there like a – I can think of very few places worse to be than, you know, a giant canned fart machine in the air. Yep. Yeah. Which, by the way, first class when you're drunk is fantastic. Um, I can imagine. They give you a little cheese board. I wouldn't know. I'm usually near the bathroom. Me too, but like there's. <laughs> they give me a little cheese, but it's very nice. They don't do that on Southwest. Um, also, I saw a guy get pulled off the plane in Dallas for bringing his own mini bottles and drinking it on a plane. And like the cops were harassing him. I'm like, really? Like, there are, really there are worse things. There are people walking without masks they can go harass. You apparently can't drink on planes anymore at all unless it's like offered by the airline. People used to take drinks on all the time. I don't know. Anyway. Well, well you know, like the, the duty free shops at like. Yeah. Dulles, for example. All you need to do is quickly find the person who has an international boarding pass, give them $5 to switch passes with you for five minutes, then you go buy a bottle, put it in your check, put it in the, your carry-on, and then you're good. Nobody ever checks. They no one check. ever checks. Because um, they know it's a scam. It's not worth enforcing. No. It's like carrying food into movie theaters. That's true. Um you threw me off, though, Remzo, there for a second. No, oh, You're back in Texas. By the way, here's the thing. Um, one of my flights, in the middle of all these flights, by the way, I'm about to be something or other on, like, I'm, like, platinum, gold, A-list, whatever, on all these things. All those miles, yeah. Um, one of them, I was wearing my American flag bandana because I'm required to, and the flight attendant was like, fuck these stupid mask orders, right? And I'm like, yeah. Did they give you the bandana? No, time out. So I was like, yeah, what a blah, blah, blah. 
And I was like, why would you think that it was okay for you to say that to me? And she goes, you're wearing an American flag. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So then we had a great conversation and whatever. But like, so I fly into Los Angeles and we walk Hollywood Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard is a, a dead zone. Um, like it's just homeless people and that's it, literally on Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard. The, the one thing I regret on that trip was not taking a picture of the guy smoking crack on Jimmy Kimmel's steps. That would have gotten so viral. Okay, the, the one thing I loved from this specific part of your trip, your, what, what was the beach you were going to? Oh, we went to Venice. Yeah, you went to Venice Beach, and you're going to one of the public restrooms. Oh, my God. Yo, it's a shithole. In the, in the full year I was at the Times, I was responsible for maybe three or four viral pieces. When I put up that clip... And it wasn't even the one of you actually looking in. I posted that afterwards, but I posted a preview of you basically saying they, they've got restrictions here and they're telling people not to do this and look at where I'm at. As soon as you open the door, that's where I cut the video off. People freaked the fuck out. They're like, he's going to find a dead body and all this other stuff. It was hilarious just to see what people assumed was going to be in there. Then when they actually saw the – it, it reminded me of that scene from Daddy Daycare where Eddie Murphy he pokes his head in the bathroom and he's looking around. You don't see anything, yeah. but you just see his face and you just assume there's like shit on the ceiling and everything else. That, that was, that was, it was gold. Yeah. It, was, it was rotten. Um, what was the smell like? Oh, it's like a bathroom on fucking Venice Beach. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's like human feces, but like... Yeah, I didn't realize like what homeless people smelled like until I blew a knee out. When I'm talking about going back to the conversation we had like a, an hour ago about blowing a knee out and I had like a soft cast on my leg and I didn't go to the bathroom all the time and so like you didn't get to bathe yourself as much. Mm-hmm. Homeless people smell like rotten balls. Anyway, that being said, that's part of the smell that contributes to, I know that from myself, um, that's part of the smell that contributes to the bathrooms of Venice Beach. But so, I mean, I, I did take pictures and it went viral of the homeless guy passed out across the street from Adam Schiff's office. And there was a cop like 20 feet away and I go, is there anything we can do about this? And he's like, no, of course not. And so like that's kind of – that's L.A. That's Hollywood for you. So did L.A. and Hollywood – Just you just see dead homeless people all over the place. There was a guy that looked like literally, – he literally had a leprosy next to like Man's Chinese Theater or whatever they call so, it. Somebody, I think it was uh, – I forgot who it was. It was some Fox reporter. They, they were going through L.A. and San Francisco, and they basically equated like the bands of homeless people who apparently during this whole pandemic have all just rushed over to California for God knows what reason. They're equating it to like um, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You just see them and you look at their eyes oh. and there's just nothing there. The original Gold's Gym has like a whole homeless encampment around it, like right off of Venice. Like really nice areas. Just oh, like, did they close that down too during this whole thing? Yeah. Mm. Of course they did. And like Muscle Beach was shut down too because you don't want to work out in this. It would be terrible to get vitamin D and exercise. You know, why would you want that? Fresh air, little things. Why would you, why would you want that? Also, I went to the, um, the skate park in Venice where they had pushed all of the sand in it. Oh, that was the most retarded thing that I, I remember seeing. That that uh, that angered me more than just the homeless people asleep on the street. It's like yes, we're we're finding literal ways, and uh, this is why I'm a libertarian, Tim. It's because if government can find a way to go out of their way to piss people off, left left right in between whatever, yeah. they go out of their way just to spite people. Yeah, it's it's the machine itself. Yeah, and when I when when I saw the photos of you. You know, taking photos of what was inside the skate park. It's like, 
mounds of sand. Yeah. It just made no fucking sense. Yeah. It's like you're taking the small thing that people like. It's like, obviously, if they're skateboarding, they're freaking social distancing. Like, my God. You're, you're telling people they can go protest and riot in the streets, but By you want millions. kids to get out of the house because you kicked them out of school and everything else, mm-hmm. and you won't let them go skateboard? Mm-hmm. Because that just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worst. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to diss your thing, but then I got on a train to go north on Amtrak. Because <laughs> I got on, so like there was there was literally nobody at the station in Los Angeles, the Amtrak station, to go north. And like every old person I know said, you should ride the the train on the. That, that, that was your first time doing that, right? That's a beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful. Ride. Have you done it? One time years ago. So you should have done it during the pandemic, even though you were busy working a thankless job where you made no money. Um, at the Washington Times, where they got PPE loans but couldn't give you your full salary yet. Uh-huh. I don't know. That, I just assume. I don't know anything from you personally, but I just assume. Nah. Um, so the ride was the ride seemed nice. <laughs> it was great. So I got on this train, and by the way, it was like uh, I went to Vancouver, Washington, from uh, Los Angeles. I did not pack appropriately. I didn't take enough food with me, so I ended up eating like microwaved vegan burgers. So on this trip. I actually got recognized. Oh, the estrogen levels must have been so high. <laughs> I was lactating. Um, and so I, on this trip, I took a fancy bottle of bourbon with me. And um, it was gorgeous, right? So you see, like, dolphins and shit, and you got mountains on one side and then the coast on the other side. And I got recognized by the, the guy in the, uh, the, the, whatever, cafe car. And the conductor and stuff. The car with all the food and shit? Yeah. yeah. And the conductor and stuff. And they were chill as shit. And so you're not supposed to bring alcohol on trains with you. We'll just pretend the story's not real. But, like, I just ended up drinking with the staff. Like, they just, they were like, because nobody was on the train. So, like, I'm hanging out with the conductor at some point. And he's like, where's your computer bag? Because I saw you came out with the computer bag. And I go, I'll tell my seat. He goes, go get that shit right now. And I'm like, Why? he's like, the only people on the train right now are like, you, one other family, a couple of Amish people, and all, <laughs> and, and vagrants and prisoners who have nothing else to do their name. Like, California has literally just, like, given these people a ticket to get the fuck out of California. The fact that the Amish are like, you know what, it's the end of the world, take a train, eh? I'm going to be real honest with you. The Amish are my favorite cults. They just don't bother people. <sighs> they don't, but, like... Do they make their own deodorant? Like, what's their... They don't believe in that shit. The world ended in the 1800s. Yeah. They smell so bad. Like, I'm sure they're great people. Well, I prefer Mennonites because they drive trucks and, you know, own puppy mills. But at least they bathe. What's... Listen, I guess... Again, I can't tell the difference. If I have to rank my cults... I'm ignorant. Amish, Scientologists, Mormonism, Islam... Mormons I love everybody who listens to this show. <laughs> Mormons are kind of hot. The BYE chicks, yeah. Oh. Yes. You ever been, so you know their thing at like, um, so I spent time, I've spent a lot of time at like, when I went out, I, I performed at uh, uh, Sundance. And when I went out there for that Sundance Film Festival years ago, um, I went to like Temple Square. 
I hung out with my friend who's a direct descendant of Brigham Young, and they've got a big mansion in the hills there in, in Salt Lake. One of the many descendants. Yeah, oh, yeah. But they, like, have, like, his furniture, including his, like, uh, his, like, what's, what would they call it? The, the um, toilet seat that they had, like, the wood chair with, like, the hole in it. They the had shitter. his pooper. They had his pooper. Okay. In his house. We'll call it that. Um, and they had a, I'm like, I mean, they had a theater room and everything. Like, they're, they're, and, like, they were, like, part of, like, their grandfather was an apostle. All the stuff in the Mormon church. And so I did, I did Temple Square. I did the genealogy library and all that stuff. I spent, like, seven hours there one day. And so I learned this about the Mormons. If you go to Temple Square, if you go to any of the, like, I've been to all of their, um, their, like, tourist destinations. So I did, like, Zion, mm. where, um, you, like, they say that God's going to come back and build the temple when he comes back, like, when things happen in the Garden yeah, of Eden. Yeah, it's just outside of Kansas isn't it, City. It, isn't it, like, just an open field, though? It's very it's like, small. It's, like, nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, but he's going to build it because he's going to build it. Man, Ramzo. I'm sorry. The, the whole thing just... It, it, I, he's going to build it, Ramzo. You hater. You just can't tell me that Jesus retired in America and he hates Indians. Great story. Speaking Great story. of speaking of cults, and I, what was... What I'm was, not finished. Hold on. Holy Don't get shit. Where, this cults. keeps going. Keep going. So I like spent time at these places. Like This is going to be eight hours long. So I went to... I've been waiting to vent to someone, Ramzo, and you're the person. No, so, like, they send, so part of their... Welcome to the Remsa Martinez experience. You want to do DMT? Yeah. One of their, one of their um, big things, and I learned this from my friend who was like, oh, no, you're not. You want half? No, I don't want any of that. So one of my friends... I've had worse. One of my friends, who is part of the family that I stayed with, Hmm. told me all about this, and his parents confirmed it. So, like, at these, like, tourist spots, as you pour your Jim Beam Coke and... You know, I've had much worse things. This is not terrible. So um, they send their like hot single girls to be to give the tours at these. That's how they like, recruit. Places. It's honey potting. It's 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 honey potting, but it's honey potting in Salt Lake City for the guys who have not gotten married at a certain age. Oh, that's what I was told. And so okay. I went there, and I did a bit on this. I was never invited back. <laughs> I wonder why. Mine, my, my tour guides were like. They were like, I guess we can't convert this guy. So my tour guides were like, stop drinking. Make sure you swallow. It was like Rosie O'Donnell on a garden gnome were my tour guides of Temple Square. <laughs> but, like, the rest of them were all these, like, blonde, super hot blondes. And I'm like, holy crap. And so that's apparently the thing. They bring the girls there. That's their, the girls can only go on, like, certain mission trips, and they're, like, giving they're like tour guides. The guys go out in the field. But, like, uh, so I don't know how we got to, to that Mormon stuff. But so I took the coast. It was gorgeous going up the coast, and I ended up in... Portland before it burned to the ground and Vancouver, Washington, which is like basically Republican across the water from I'm surprised they don't like raise the bridge. There's a bridge, you know, bridges that just look across Portland. like this. This isn't happening anymore. Just kill my it. friends who are all Republican in Vancouver, Washington, were like watching Portland burn. And even when I went to Portland, it they're was loading like, their guns as they're watching. I went to a place in Portland. I didn't I don't think I talked about this on um, any of the videos I did for you. I went to like Scientology tacos. It was like a taco truck. That are all these Scientology... Say, say that name again. It's not called Scientology Tacos. Okay. It was like a taco truck. It was the best tacos I've had in a while. They actually let me sit there. You're not supposed to be able to sit anywhere in Portland because they, like... I don't know. They freak out about it. Because the COVID. Yeah, because yeah. of the COVID. Because if you sit around and eat, then you're... You know, well, I don't give a fuck. Anyway. Um, but uh, I went to this place, and it was the best tacos I've ever had. Nicest guy in the world. Scientologist. He, was, he had pamphlets for staying healthy... <laughs> 
by the Church of Scientology all over the place. So I went to like Scientology tacos in the middle of Portland. I don't care. It's great tacos. Look, again, if I'm going to believe something, you, get, you make me make a choice between Mormonism and Scientology. 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 Yeah. Huh. Um, sp- speaking of fringe, fringe beliefs, what, what, what was crazy about your trip is like every th- everywhere, every person you encountered had something to do with what was popular in pop culture. And I, I've been splitting this whole pandemic into phases. You left right around the Tiger King phase. I was I went to the Tiger King Park before what was, what was before that it like? got handed over to Carol Baskin. That lying bitch. What was that like? You, was, you got you got to meet the guy that bought it from is Joe. Jeff or something like that? What's his name? He frank the guy who he, he wears basically the, uh, the, the Harley Davidson jackets? Yeah, him and his wife are swingers and they, they would use Yeah. They would his use, wife's awesome. She was feeding a leftover Wendy salad to one of the monkeys when I was there. There was like no You know, there. I'm so glad that that's the most There's real show over, we've ever seen. So on the, on the table behind you, somewhere back over there, I bought vials of, like, lion and tiger hair. <laughs> I brought it back, I guess. I, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. Did they, you buy it from them? Yes. Because they didn't have T-shirts at the time, I guess. So they had, like, stuffed animals and stuff, and then they had, like, lion and tiger hair vials for $5, and I bought, like, five of them. I was like, I'm going to bring back people. I, not not to get too much into the Joe Exotic thing. Yeah. I think I think he should go to I think he should have gone to jail for many of the things he did. Yeah. But the whole setting him up to hire a hitman to kill Carol Baskin thing, that was that and, and everyone admits it, the feds admit it. Jeff what's his name admits it. That was a setup. Was it Jeff? Is that his name? I think it's Jeff. So like I I talked to him for a while. There was like nobody there. It was 15 bucks to get in. I was just going to go take a picture because uh Oklahoma has like state Signs like on the highway, mm-hmm. GW Exotic Park, and I'm like, get the fuck out. And so I went. Had you seen the show yeah. before you went there? Okay, so yeah. you you were aware of all. Yeah, of it. I was a big I was a big Joe Exotic fan. I mean, I have to ignore the fact that he groomed young boys to hang out with. But like, hey man, you, know, you, you give people enough lions, tigers, and meth, and they will yeah. suck dick. It, he proved it. And then he nailed that woman in the front and got her pregnant. That one guy. Um, but like, yeah. Well, he has new teeth now, so things worked out. Uh, I and he wears shirts. I'll be real with you. The Joe Exotic Park, GW Exotic Park, made me like lose faith in zoos, and I think zoos should be closed because you walk up to these cats who have very clearly been domesticated, and they roll over like like pet like domestic cats that want to have their bellies rubbed. It's the saddest fucking thing. I so I I, I agree with you. I, when I lived in Australia, I saw two examples of what a zoo should be like if you're going to have one, and what it shouldn't be like. I went to Steve Irwin's zoo when he was still alive, and I saw him wrestle a crocodile, and it was one of the most beautiful things, and the staff there loved what they were doing, and the animals, they seemed alive. Like, that's the thing. They had their spirit with them. I went to this uh, place. My So my dad was part of an Army officer exchange program, so they sent an Australian over here, and they sent us over there. And it was in the in the mountains of this area in Queensland called Canungra. And Canungra, uh, outside of Kokoda Barracks, where he was stationed, um, they had a Canungra Zoo. And I swear to God, I've never seen, like, it, it was like something out of, like, Caracas during the last years of Maduro, where it's like, you, you can't see any of the animals, so you're wondering, like, are they hiding? And the ones you do see are, like, ultimately depressed or dead. I've never seen so many dead animals in my life. And I walked out of there, having already been to the Australia Zoo, seeing Steve Irwin do awesome shit. And I'm like, there's got to be, this is where my non-libertarian comes out. There have to be some fucking standards for when you have these wild animals that should not be caged 
and you're going to treat them like this. Yeah. And, I mean, Carol Baskin, I don't know whether it was the bot, because every documentary, no matter how objective they try and be, there's always a bias in how they do it. You understand this. Yeah. Whether they were trying to make Joe look good or bad or not, everyone saw Carol Baskin's shit. And she's got cages and cages and cages. And she says the tiger shouldn't be in cages. That lying bitch. And now she owns the zoo? Yeah, it was awarded to her by the court, I think, because of whatever was going on. But yeah, no, it's, it's she, crazy. Okay, quick question. Do you think she killed her husband? Yeah, I think everybody does. Everyone thinks. That and Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yeah. yeah. After um, that, you went to Waco. And this is in the Waco phase. And this is yeah. crazy because that show came out like four or five years ago, it and only now it's popular. I, apparently, I, a lot of people told me, a lot of people reached out to me after I went to Waco. By the way, this is before I went up the coast in uh, California, which was kind of like tame compared to this. A lot of people told me I should have just gone in and said hi. Because apparently the Waco, Wacoans or whatever, the uh, Branch Davidians, yeah, are very nice. I, I lived in Colleen, Texas, yeah. which is 30 minutes outside of Waco. I'm freaked out by that stuff. I don't want to go talk to them. They're, they're normal. You, yeah. you, if you go into town, like a lot of them now live in the town of Waco, yeah. you would never know what their beliefs were. You'd I think they were some offhand Christian denomination, but yeah. This is one of those things that, like, I'm, I, again, you, you yelled at me and everybody else yelled at me about taking notes. I forgot about going to, to the branch of Indian compound. I've done, I did every, so every, much. every clip of that is, eh, not, not in the cult yeah, stuff. I'm not, in, not, I'm not, not going it. in there. Not, not going in there. No. Yeah. Turns out I should have. Um, if you had like, gone in, you, did, did you actually get a chance to, like, did you get out of the car at all? No. Okay, if you had gotten out of the car, and I know this based off people I know that went there, you could actually go to the compound that was burnt down by the ATF. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I should have, like, I, I should have gone. I'll go next time I'm there. I'll be there. They're um, not leaving I'll anytime soon. They're I'll staying. Pro- I'll probably take a, um, I think I'll take. By the way, I should have brought down for you. I, I forgot we were going to talk about this. I have a, uh. A burned up. Um, so when I went to Minneapolis, oh, this is okay. If you write a book about this, this has to be on the cover. I have the uh, the burned up uh, uh, Funko Pop. Yeah, yeah. Actually, hold on. Just you fill the void. I'm gonna go get this for you. Okay. So I mean, t- Tim has gotten to the point where he's gone through the Tiger fa- the Tiger King phase, and now we're in the Waco phase. I mean, it was so funny because one minute everyone's looking at this dude and his friends and family, and they're just thinking this shit can't be real. And then, like my most you know ap- a- apathetic political friends on Facebook are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they killed those people." And then, like after watching all seven episodes, fuck the ATF. Now we're in the riot phase, and this, oh my gosh. This is so fucking crazy. And it has Oh my gosh, this was Simba. This is the Simba Fun This is the Simba Funko Pop. This was my favorite thing I ever posted to the Washington Times Instagram. And it is even more depressing seeing it in front oh, of me. Oh, it's the worst. No, that's like a So like, yeah, that's a um I'm going to eventually put this put that in like a glass baseball yeah, box or something. But my God, that thing, that is from the GameStop that they burnt down in Minneapolis. Yep. Did you just walked in and took it? I just, yeah, <laughs> I did. Well, it's not stealing, it's so, no, destroying. No, no. So here's the thing. It, um, it was in, I did not walk into the GameStop because they had a bunch more, actually. That, uh-huh. that was in the window still. And I realized that I could reach in through the, like, the gate or whatever, the like, security thing and pull it out. I was getting yelled at by all of the protesters or rioters or whoever that were around. They were like, 
white motherfucker, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take a quick, just going to grab a quick thing and get out of here. Um, but yeah, that was, I forget that I have that sometimes. Um, but that's a, that's a really cool piece. So like, I, that, that's like 2020 in yes. one physical item. And I just think it's one of those things that like it, it, you put it in a box. Like a lot of people have like pieces from the Berlin wall that crumbled and that's from the GameStop in, I believe it was St. Paul, um, where all of the rioting, like it was Minneapolis and St. Paul, and that was in a part of St. Paul, um, literally the day after the first night of riots. And it was in a shopping center where I watched a um, local reporter cry because she lived about two miles from there uh, that had been destroyed by uh, local rioters and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a cool piece that I have to, to remember the stuff from. As you were traveling, at what point did you find out about the riots? It seems <laughs> was, like everyone was just glued to their TV. Well, um, so the George Floyd thing happened as soon as I got into Minnesota. And as soon as I got into Minneapolis. And the riots were literally the second night I was in Minneapolis. So lo- local TV had it on. Like, that was like, it was there. And, um, you know, I was talking about some some... Some of the people that I don't work for anymore were like, hey, do you want to go down and get some, like, exclusive footage for us? And I was like, hey, you want to pay me more? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, guess what? That Swerve, bitch. Mm-hmm. What, what, okay, tell me, what's the worst feeling? Knowing that you're in a city that's not your own, knowing yeah. that there's riots going on, or knowing that you're watching TV of your home, D.C., knowing that there are riots going on and you're not there? Well, I knew it wasn't close to my place here, so I didn't worry about it. I, I was more affected by the local people that I knew in Minneapolis um, watching their city burn. Because they were like local things. Like they would see something local that they were like, oh my God, that's the whatever. There, there's, a, there's a Chappelle skit he did before he, he went to South Africa or wherever the fuck he went. And um, he's making fun of Virginians. And he's like, you know, we, we and growing up in D.C., you always know that Virginians are a little bit different and they don't know how to really behave around you. So, like, whenever something weird's going on, all they have to do is look across the Potomac and just look and think, oh, there's some strange shit going on over there. Do I want to find out? No. Yeah. No. And, and that's how it kind of was over here, except it started coming into the suburbs. There were a ton of protests, mainly because people were at home and they were bored. I don't think they would have ever done shit otherwise. Yeah. But what, 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 what just killed me, and I mean, when, when I... I went to Alabama, uh, went, went to a military school there, Alabama guard there, came back to Virginia. And as soon as I got here, like within like a week of moving back, I started working in D.C. And this was really the first time I was ever part of D.C. And I've, I've only really been working here since. And um, one of my favorite internships was at the American Conservative. I was an editorial assistant there. I did the social media for a little bit. American Conservative Union? Oh, the uh, American Conservative Magazine, okay. Tech. Yeah, it's on K Street near uh, Lafayette and I'm sorry, West Farragut. And on uh, on K Street, there was this dude who owned a falafel stand. Um, he was Lebanese, came to the United States with nothing, was supporting his family back overseas, and he had basically saved enough money from selling falafels and other stuff to open up three other stands and start a small franchise throughout the city. And a bunch of white liberal activists during the riots flipped over his stand on K Street and set it on fire. Seriously? Yeah. It's like the worst garbage. They, they just completely took this man who is the type of person you want in America. Yeah. And they destroyed his livelihood. That is awful. 
and that was that was the moment for me. It felt like, oh shit, now this is personal. Yeah, that's insane. That was my roommate walking down the steps, by the way, right now, just walking out of the place. And uh, yeah, I mean it. It felt so strange because it's like, yeah, there's a distance, but it felt close for once. Yeah. And I can only imagine how it was for so many millions, millions of Americans who were directly affected by this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. I, I don't know. What was it like as you were driving around the city? Oh, dude, when you see the National Guard riding around the city and you can smell the smoke and you see, like, fire, like, coming up in places, it's, uh, there's nothing like it. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm cold into this kind of stuff because I've been through a lot of stuff. I've, I've experienced a lot of things in my life that, like I am, um, with Baltimore and a bunch of, like I was trained as a public defender in, in, at the University of Baltimore Law, and uh, I think I've seen a lot of dark stuff in my life. So, like, this is just kind of, you know, when I went to Thailand years ago, it was when, the, like, the red shirts had their, like, upheaval or whatever. Remember that back in the day? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Um like burn the mall or something like that. But anyway, it went through like military checkpoints to get into Thailand when I was there. It was, it was crazy when we were driving along. They were like, oh, it's white guy. It's fine. Let him go. Um, white privilege. Um, but um, I don't know. I've just, I've seen a lot of stuff. And at this point, maybe I'm just kind of growing cold to it. But, you know, what affects me is when other people are hurt by seeing it. And that's what I saw a lot of in, in uh, Minnesota. Like that kind of, it was, it was, it was just crazy. Well, I feel like, and cor- correct me if I'm, if you think differently on this, Part of me wants to think that if this was not an election year, there would be a lot more sympathy towards the victims of these riots. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah. No, there's, there's more. Hold on. So, so I leave Minnesota and I go back to Dallas and I go over to Alabama where I hang out with the WWE guys that made the clothing. By the way, the only times I ever watched the Chad Prather show was when you were on there. Now oh, really? Hooked. Now I'm hooked. Really? Yeah. I, I knew he was there. Like, I, I liked watching The Blaze, and then I knew people who went from CR, Conservative View, who then got absorbed by The Blaze. I so, like, like, 14 I hours of Blaze programming when I was there. That, that, was, that was crazy. I, I, that was the first time in years. I, ever since, okay, ever since they got pulled from Verizon, I stopped yeah. watching. I did um, Prather Show twice. And then I did the news and why it matters. Like I don't even know how many times they just had me on there. And then I was on the news and why it matters when Josh Hammer, who is the editor of Newsweek, was on, and apparently he had COVID. And so we got a phone call that he had COVID, and we were exposed to it. I never got it. I, if he didn't catch COVID at CPAC, you weren't going to catch it there. I was literally next to it. He was very sweaty and looked sick when he was on set. And then like the CEO of the Blaze called and was like, "Hey, you were exposed to somebody with COVID," and like. He didn't tell anybody until later. I'm like, that's kind of, like, honestly, like, if you find out, so, like, it's sort of like having an STD and sleeping with somebody, and then you find out you have the STD and you don't tell them. It's kind of a bullshit move, right? Well, you know, in California, uh, if you have AIDS, you don't have to tell the person you're about to have intercourse with that you have AIDS, even though by most laws you have to. Let's just go on, like, basic respect, right? Basic respect. Yeah. Like, forget that I don't care about California having sex. If you're, like, a conservative and you're hanging out with other people that are, like, talking heads on a show, and it's only, like, a couple of people one time, like, three other people at a table, one of them is pregnant, Sarah Gonzalez, who hosts News and Why It Matters, why would you not tell them that you had it? Did he know? He got tested positive, and then apparently, so we were told... 
we all got a generic that we got a generic message from the head of the network that we were on the, the a show or had encountered somebody who had it. We were, we were trying, trying to figure out who it was. was. Oh, so process of elimination. You know, you don't have it. You know, she certainly doesn't. I have knew it. Chad didn't have it because Chad got the call. I was like, Chad, you got it? He goes, no, fuck no. Yeah, and so, like, there were a couple of other people who could have been in, been on it. And, like, so I was on a bunch of shows. There was uh, a libertarian guy. I forget his name. He was awesome, though. Um, then there was, like, Yaku Buyans, who was amazing, um, who I may be working on some projects with. He didn't have it. Uh, there was Genevieve Collins, who I had a couple of follow-up drinks with, who definitely would have told me if she had it. I did not narrow it down to Josh Hammer until after... Like he literally said it on Twitter, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like you couldn't fucking tell people. Like if I would have had, if I had this and I was around people and I found out, I would have told them. I would have been like, "Hey, sorry, go get tested." Like, come on, it's like an integrity thing. I hope he listens. So, to this. so he knew by the time he was sitting with you both that he had. It. Maybe he knew afterwards or something. But like when he was on set, I remember him being like sweaty and looking shitty on set. Like he knew he was sick on set. Like there's no way he didn't. I just that that, bothered, that like that got me. Like I don't know, man. Like I'll never work for Newsweek now. Whatever. Fuck you. Like be respectful of other people. Honestly, just be respectful of other people. Like if you're sick, don't show up. That's like a thing, right? Like I mean, that's like one of the things that like everybody knows anyway. Like if you're like feeling shitty, you, you, you know, you know that gross. that's the rub though. And I think that's one of the few positive things that's coming out of COVID because there were enough times, and it was primarily jobs where I'm working hourly. Like I've been. A cashier, and this is mainly after I graduated from undergrad. I was a cashier. I was a mall cop. I did a lot of random shit. You were a mall cop? I was a mall cop. You know, rest in town center? Yeah. I was a mall cop there. Did you ever catch kids, like, doing it there? there? You ever have to shake them up? I wish I did because of the stuff I did see. My first day, uh, there there was this uh, cigar shop, and you want to talk about white privilege? All other kids in Fairfax County, where I've grown up most of my life, they all get arrested, all, all the brown kids, all the foreign kids. If you're a white kid living in rest or any of those areas and you do something, you get a slap on the wrist. But these kids must have illegally bought some cigars or something, and they all know how to fucking smoke them. Yeah. They all know that you need a cutter for it. They basically just light these cigars up and they throw them in a trash can and then they throw it in a dumpster. I'm doing my orientation. I'm being told what to do, what not to do. And the first call we get is from this guy who's um, from the Ivory Coast, speaks barely any English. The trash can's on fire! It's on fire. It's on fire. There's fire. So we're just hearing him screaming. We know where he was at. The first thing I see is a dumpster fire. I was 23. I just turned 23. And I was the youngest there. But I got promoted real fast. You know why? Why? Because I could read and write in English. I was, I was, one, of the, I was one of three native uh, English-speaking people that, that were there. So Paul Blart isn't a thing. Um... Paul Blart is like Paul Blart Jabushin style. It's like. So anyway, so Dallas, I'm going to bring this back. So Dallas, uh, 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 Birmingham, and then I went to Pisgah, Alabama in the middle of nowhere, which was fantastic and just great. There was nothing. nothing I, I know exactly what you're talking about, too. It's like you're up on a plateau. It's gorgeous. There. Mm-hmm. There's but it's, there's nothing. Yeah, it's fine. It's a majority of the state. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then I go over to Orlando, which I hate. I hate Orlando. But I got this rental car. So my rental car north, uh, it was budget rental, I think it was. Yeah. It was like $250 one way for two weeks, which is unheard of. Because usually yeah, a one-way, one-way rental is like 60 bucks a day. These fucking pandemic rates, man. Yeah. 
It's like when I went around Virginia, I spent probably like I said a hotel every night. Spent maybe no more than two hundred dollars total. Yeah, I'll so, never get that again. Yeah. No. So forget all the other things that happened on the way up the coast. My favorite time was I have a lot of like cam cam girls and a lot of porn stars that follow me on Twitter, and one of them and I have become very close friends. Um, and she's like, "If you're ever in town, come visit." Like, it's like the only nice stories that comes out of. So I be, I befriended a cam girl online. Yeah. yeah. No. no, there was we really did not like. So she took me around Jacksonville, and um, we like played like the Skipbo, which is the spinoff to like Uno. We would like play that at night and just drink and hang out. We would go antiquing and like we went to see her like niece's um, dance recital that was at this like. Oddfellows Hall that had like 700 people there. It had to be 700 Did you socially people. distance? No, no, fuck no. Nobody gives a shit there. Especially in Florida. Yeah, everyone Florida. wants everyone in Florida to die. Too bad that everyone yeah. in New York City is basically dead. Yeah, yeah but like in Florida, it didn't work the same way. And so, so like she and I literally just like we just hung out and had a good time. And like there's pictures. She, um, I thought this was very interesting. And I, I tweeted about this. People thought it was a weird tweet that I was like, look, I'm friends with porn stars. Get over it. Um, she had a really funny, stupid picture of me, like playing with one of her dogs on her couch and like all of her, her entire Twitter account is just porn. Like it's just her like playing with her vagina, which I've told her already. She's a very bad actress. Um, people pay a lot of money. She's not good. <laughs> like I've watched her stuff. It's not good. Like I look, I'm glad that she, she makes more money than me, more money than God. Like she does like great. I'm not saying I'm God, but I'm saying like she makes more money. Yeah. So like she makes really good money and like owns a house and has badass cars and everything you think of. I have told her this. I would never say anything behind people's backs that I typically wouldn't say to their face. She's a terrible actress. And like, I'm like, your stuff is just not believable unless you've like, if you've actually had sex with people, you'd know that your stuff is fake. That's, uh, the, that's the thing about porn though. It's not accurate to how act, no. how normal people, people actually are. It's not. But anyway, I give her a hard time on that. But, like, we did, like, we went antiquing, and <laughs> we went to her niece's dance recital, which was, like, these kids that don't, you know, it's, like, five-year-olds that don't know how to dance, and they're fucking around on stage. Yeah, they're just trying to build confidence. Yeah. Um, we, like, hung out with her family, and we did, like, all this, and we played, like, Skipbo, and we did all this stuff. He was, like, the most, like, of the entire thing. So the entire trip. It literally was. Like, we went to, like, these really cool, like, on the water, like, eating things. We're not dating. We're not, like, there's no, like, whatever. There was no expectations of anything. I'm probably, like, the, I hope she listens to this. I'm probably the one guy she knows who doesn't want to, like, bang her, like, when we hang out. I know her history, and I know the famous guy she's banged now. And, like, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But, like, look, I, I love her. She's a great person. But it's just, like, the people, I'm like, ah, oh, God, no, really? Um... Good for her, living her life. But, like, uh, we had the best time. That was, like, the most wholesome thing. And then the rest of that, the rest of the trip north was just kind of like, you know, I did Savannah, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, not Charlottesville. Charleston. Charleston. I always get that screwed up. Charleston was cool because they have um, these, like, night herons. They have, like, a, a, a reserve or something where they, like, show up. Like, it's it's the little, there's, like, a the, the bear tree. The bear tree? Berks? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, or like the right on the water there. What's it called? I don't know, but it's like they have a reserve for these like night herons to like breed, and like so you look up and these things are like three foot tall, 
and they're all in the trees, and they had they had their babies, and you hear all this like whooping and stuff, and you look up, stop sneezing. Oh my god, Rona! You just spread the Ronas. I don't have the Ronas. Oh my! I've only worn that mask. It doesn't. You wouldn't know. Um, ace, ace, uh, what is it? Asymptomatic, asymptomatic, which is like the biggest farce of the whole thing. You mean I have a working immune system? But asymptomatic spread is like the biggest farce of the whole thing, by the way, because like they're like that's already been shot down by every organization. But that's why people wear masks. A quick question about Charleston. Yeah. When you were in Charleston, okay, Charleston, very conservative city, very yeah. southern. They are very proud of that. There, there are there are liberals that live there. Um, you see any? So, so this is this is what I'm happy. This is what I'm happy. Where I'm going to ask you. Yeah. This is going to calm down a lot of people. My father is. What is uh, happening? Why? Bitch, no. Why, Why is your Alexa going, going off? It's not mine. Is that that was that's yours? Your, no, that's your phone. What? Yeah. Okay. Man, she just keeps jumping in. Um, like in in Virginia, we've got uh, Virginia military institute, which is being attacked because of their ties to Confederacy and stuff. And apparently, like my dad, who's a Citadel grad, uh, was constantly paranoid that you were going to have like bands of Antifa jump into the Citadel and attempt to like tear the whole thing down. What was it like in Charleston, a city where they literally had open slave markets? Did they? They did. Did you go? Did you go to the? Uh, well, it's probably closed now. But in the middle of town, they've got the Charleston. It used to be called the Charleston Slave Markets. Now it's called the Charleston Open Markets. Uh, right around the other end of South Abroad. No, I missed that. Yeah, and it was like you know when it's, like that's soul food there, though. it's amazing though. But the food yeah. in Charleston, and, and that's the thing though. Like you, you, you leave the major northern cities, and the rest of the country is fine. And t- tell me what you think about this. But in the South. You've got more mixing and mingling of different races than what you have in the Northeast. I'm dead convinced. Racial tensions barely exist in the South. So uh, here's what I know from my travels just in general. And by the way, I'm looking for this place. Here we go. Uh, Martha Lou's Kitchen is where I went in Charleston, South Carolina, before I go any further. It's the best soul food. They've been around for about 40 years. It's the best soul food. I sat down, and uh, the recipes have been in the family for years. And they literally gave me the entire menu because I told them I was putting it on social media anyway. I was like, I'm just doing this on social media. I ate so much food there. Like, I had, like, literally two more meals left in the, the pack that I got from them. They gave me all their sides. They gave me dessert. I hung out with the owner for a while. That's when I was getting sick of the Washington Times not responding to me, so you didn't get all the pieces of that. But like, I, I, I did give you some pieces to advertise. Eat for free, place. son. Take advantage. Of it. What? I wasn't eating for free. I paid. Oh, but like, she brought out like dessert and a couple other things that like on top of it. I actually went and I had to get cash to pay her. Um, what were you talking about before that? Sorry, my brain went. No, 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 crazy like Antifa BLM no, nothing. bullshit in Charleston. Nothing. No. Nope. No. Um. No, you had something else. I was I was really hot on something right there. I think. That's what happens when we talk for two hours. Yeah. You're the worst. You see no notes. I am tracking it. It's been good though. Um, yeah. So 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 you're in so you're in Charleston. Yeah. No, I. Oh well. Yeah. Okay. So prior to Florida. So. No, I mean, I guess I guess that's one of those one of those interesting things, and I think the 
the one thing that we're definitely seeing now because, you know, in many ways, I think now because everyone is so isolated, they definitely yearn for just basic social interactions. So while I think a lot of people are, you know, self-segregating because a lot of the political bullshit they're seeing, people are now starting to understand once again, like what true relationships are, friendships, family. I got a, I got a random, uh, a tattoo in the middle of uh, Minnesota when things were locked down. Amidst the riots? Yeah. Yeah, riots. So I went to, um, we went up into Wisconsin because Wisconsin had just opened up. By the way, when I was in Orlando, we went to a bar the night. It was like, honestly, I literally feel like I was living like history during all this. So we went to a bar in Orlando the day before they closed bars in, in Florida because of the spike in COVID. So, but also I was in Wisconsin the day that they opened the bars in Wisconsin. So like that wasn't too far before that. Um, and so like I, I was up in Wisconsin, where did I go? Osceola, Wisconsin, gorgeous place. You should take your girlfriend. Um, there's this really gorgeous, like waterfall thing that goes through the middle of town, cute places. There's this bar that's been there for 106 years or something like that. And I was drinking there and. We were talking it up with the bartender, and the bartender's like, oh, yeah, I do two tattoos, too. And I was like, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo to memorialize this trip. And she's like, you should. Just come to me. I'll do it for, like, 40 bucks. I'm like, perfect deal. So, like, I get my tattoo in, like, a trailer in the middle (laughs) of Minnesota. And I got the – that's the thing I'm showing you now. Like, the – it's an open sign, like a neon open sign, but instead of open, it says nope. (laughs) Um, and that was my tattoo to, to signify the entire trip that I that did. Is, that is 2020 in a nutshell. That and the fucking Funko Pop, which is, it's like its corpse is still just staring at me. Yeah. Like, what's, what's, I, I, like, I'll, I'll show, I'll, I'll share the photo again, but it's just like Simba's eyes are just sunken. But you know what's crazy? Oh. So the crazy thing, too, about this, so like I went on this trip and like I got all of this, this stuff. And then. You got a haircut from Shelly Luther. We yeah, didn't even bring that, that up. Yeah. We didn't cover that. And then fucking, like, Chris Bedford over at the uh, uh, the Federalist is, like, he decides to go on the road. Like, they literally, so many other... Oh, he's at the Federalist now? Did he get fired from the collar? Mm, he probably just left. Uh, but, like... All these people tried to steal my idea after I fucking did it, and people were, like, reaching out to me. They were like, oh, look. And, like, somebody... I have to keep my mouth shut sometimes on Twitter, because, like, somebody was like, what other reporters on the road, or whatever, what other commentators on the road in the middle of, like, Corona doing this? I'm like, these motherfuckers over the fucking Federalist... Like, literally took the idea because it was the number one thing. Like, the White House is sharing my stuff. Rand Paul is sharing my stuff. People know that I was out doing this. Like, everybody knew I was out doing this. It's number th- number one thing on social media at the Washington, Washington Times, Times at the time. Was not. Yeah. Like, that was I, – I would post yeah, – and, and this just tells you the climate that we're in. We, we will post things about riots, politics, the pandemic. But what people loved seeing on Instagram and what they like seeing on Facebook and Twitter would just be the the – regular moments of your trip when yes. you're going up the West coast in a freaking train. Well, so, and that's the thing. So, so like, like well, look, these people were living like, vicariously through you the, through the this. And I'm, I'm, I'm very like, it's like, fuck you guys. Like they're never going to hire me anyway. So fuck you. They, they take this idea. And I see these articles written by like Bedford who like does this whole thing on, um, on Federalist stealing my idea. And there's all these pictures of him. And like, that's not my fucking point of being on the road doing this stuff. Like, uh, my thing is, look, I will, it's about me when it's my comedy, when I'm on stage, when I'm like the performer. But I wanted to tell other people's stories. And that's the one thing. When I told the stories about like all of the people I met with, the, the, the piece that was shared by a bunch of people, the, the original about the whole trip that I took. The 
one that kicked it off. Yes. There wasn't a mention of me other than I met with these people. There wasn't like a there wasn't a center center focus on me. There weren't photos there weren't fancy photos of me drinking at a bar. There weren't anything. Look, I could have had that. I was I went to Michelli's in Hollywood where I like they open up Michelli's is one of the the it's the original Italian place on Hollywood Boulevard. They, they almost went me. out of business because of this whole thing, didn't yeah. they? Yes. They opened up for me. They may still not make it. They opened up for me. It was me and the owner. They pulled out like one of the reasons I'm fat right now is that they pulled out the menu like they had their piano player come in. It was remarkable. Did I take a picture of me at that? No. It was about the place. It's about their story. The shit isn't about me. When I was telling the story, and this is what really, like, again, you can see I'm, like, getting angry about this. I'm changing my, like, body posture on this. Fuck you for making the story about you. You're getting fucking paid to go and enjoy life and go do this stuff. Granted, I was getting the same thing, but I wasn't making the story about me. And that's one of the fucking things that annoys me about uh, reporters now is that the story has to be about them. It has to be centered about around them. No. The story isn't you. You're the storyteller. Again, like when I'm on stage, when I'm making like the joke, even if you saw my old segments at Fox 5 that I thought were great, that take Tim to work, which is where this pilot show goes, where I like travel the country and do things. It's me putting people over. This isn't about me sitting at a bar drinking and yada yada with a fancy photo or a center on me. I want to present their story. And I am like the sidelight. Like, sure, I'm the host of the show. Or sure, I'm the person running the segment. But I want their story to shine through. And it has nothing to do with me other than I'm the person telling the story. I, I equate all, and you know, for, for a lot of people that don't really know this, before I got into social media and, and the business and everything else, I was, uh, I, I was a freelance beat reporter. I did commentary journalism because I got picked up to do news for a bunch of right-leading sites. But I could still put in some of my own commentary as long as I was putting in the work for that. And two of my favorite people ever that want that made me want to leave politics, uh, you know, professionally and go into media are Hunter Thompson and Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Cannot be the polar, cannot be even farthest from the polar opposite to where I am politically. But with Hunter Thompson, everything goes back to what everyone tries to copy, and I, I failed at this, you know, in some attempts. Uh, Fear and loathing on the campaign trail. Seventeen. I don't know if you could see the sticker from there. Yeah, yeah I yeah. fucking love that one. Uh, God bless Hunter, even though he didn't believe in God. Uh, and, and Anthony Bourdain. And with Anthony Bourdain, I always equate it to one of his episodes of No Reservations where he goes to uh, West Virginia. And he's dealing with people who are not like him. But unlike many other people, especially when he was at CNN with this, he didn't just set them up to belittle them or berate them or call them white trash. He genuinely treated them like actual people. Yes. You're, when you're in that position... You're the conduit to tell the story. You're not the fucking story. And so, sorry, I'm like hot about this. Like, this is like my passion, though, on this thing. This is a master class in commentary journalism, children. You're not the fucking center of the story. I don't want to see a goddamn picture of you at a fucking bar that you sat around with your friend to make sure you looked as fancy as possible at. I'm talking about Chris Bedford here. I'm never going to work with him again, probably, because of this. I could give a shit. Like, I give a shit about a lot of people in this town. But that's the problem with this town is that everybody makes everything about them. It's not about you. This place, that's why Democrats are losing is because they're in this fucking bubble here. Everything has to be centered about you. Look, you're making your 150, 200 a year. These people are actually like running out of money and you're making the story about you instead of them. They're the person that needs the help. They're the people that need the idea. That's what Anthony Bourdain nailed. Look, Anthony Bourdain was the conduit. He was there. You watched it because of the production, because of the direction, because of how the story was told. But he did not tell the story about himself. He told the story about other people. 
And that's like where people lose all of this. And by the way, people should name people in this shit when it happens. That's what I don't like about DC. Like, just fucking call people out for being assholes. Just do it. Like, I, again, like, this town is so fucking pretentious, yet so fucking afraid to tell the truth, to, like, point things out. Do you know how many people reached out to me when the Federalists started doing this? And they were like, look, they're stealing your idea. And I'm like, I'll just fuck them, whatever. Like, my stuff was already shared by XYZ and whatever. And, look, I can only be authentic to me, and I can only move forward with my stuff. Um, it's one thing if they were it's one thing if they were inspired but they did it for genuine reasons of wanting to add on to it they knew that they weren't though they knew that shit was doing well yeah. the Washington Times there, there was there was there was no heart in it no, no heart in it no it was selfish, selfish and there was no heart like there was my stuff when I sat down it, it was overwhelming to me the stories that people told me and who I got to meet and who I got to sit down with and like and who I just met at random. I wasn't – there was no goal when I set out. There was no, like, whatever. I was going to go do whatever and just kind of experience it and see what happened. That piece, that first piece that I wrote about my travels and, like, all the business the businesses that were worried about closing uh, permanently because of COVID, there was no plan for that. That came organically from just being out. I knew I needed to do something to document it. But I didn't know where it went and, and like how it came out. And like there that's why there weren't photos of me, fancy photos of me sitting in a bar. My God, I gotta tell you, if if there were gonna be like that's that was the, the breaking point for me. When I see like pictures of him at a bar, like fancy pictures of him at a bar, like that were very clearly staged to make him look like it was some sort of remarkable moment in history or some bullshit. You should be honored that I'm here drinking. Yes. That that's all I got from that. When, when I was at, at Michelli's again like here they I was sitting in the seat where Julia Roberts was like yelled at by the elderly manager at the time for making out with a guy like back Lucille Ball fucking went there she She learned how to to toss a pizza there so like if you want like dramatic photos I could have had I had people with me there there were like there was a, a friend of mine there was another TV personality that was there I could have had them take the dramatic pictures Michelli's is a stunning restaurant I'm there with the owner. There's a piano player. They brought in their piano player, who's this elderly piano player, to, like, take requests from us because they kept paying her, and she just wants to get out of the house and play songs, right? I could have had that. But it wasn't about me. There isn't, like... My, I, and I can, I can even, in my mind, um, remember the shot. And there was, there was an ex-girlfriend of mine who's actually one of Bernie Sanders' advisors. Look, I'm, I actually have friends on the other side of the aisle. She, we broke up, but whatever. Who told me that it pisses her off when she sees people at events and things with their cell phones out because you're not really remembering it at that point. You're not experiencing it. You're watching it through a screen. Did, did you ever see that movie, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Yeah. Okay, so this, it has a purpose. Your trip, so when I, when I went on my trip around Virginia, it was two things. One, I needed to get out of my house. I was going crazy. Secondly, at that point, I had basically emotionally known that I got to take these vacation days because I, I think I'm going to end up leaving my job. Of course. So it was all those things kind of combined. And I, I wanted to just go drive around Virginia. I love this state. I've been throughout the country. I've lived in many places. I love Virginia. It has so much charm to it. I'm, I'm, I'm culturally a Southerner. And, you know, I, on, on the first night of that trip, I, I, was, in a, I was in Petersburg, Virginia, and I, I rented that movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And there's this part with uh, Sean Penn where him and Ben Stiller are in Afghanistan. Ben, and Ben Stiller 
Ben Stiller's character has been trying to find him because he needs him to replace the photo that Walter Mitty lost at Life magazine. And as Sean Penn, who's traveled all this way to take a photo of the snow leopard just for himself, he, he, he sees him get in front of the camera. He's got everything focused, but then he moves away from the camera and he just watches him. And Ben Stiller's like, what are you doing? Are you going to take the photo? And he's like, I could, but I want this moment just for me. There's a lot of, there's a lot that could be said about that line because yeah. I think with, with, and it's not just, I, I, I could point people in the media, I could point people in politics and everything else, but I think it's become this thing where even though we are more connected now through all these different ways than ever before, we've never found so many ways to make everything about ourselves. Yes. I think when journalists lose that, that's a really harsh thing. You know, the, the biggest thing that, thing that I, I did for myself was take that, that take that burnt pop vinyl. But I didn't show a picture of myself taking that pop vinyl. I just kind of took it. Like, that's going to be something that's like, sure, we put pictures of it up mm-hmm. to, like, tell the story. That's going to be something that's in my place that I don't like. That's just, I wanted that, to remember the experience, to, to remember the smell, because you can still smell it if you smell in that box. You can still smell the fire. Yeah, like, like methane. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like there's so much about that to like remember it. But yeah, every, every story is about, uh, journalists make the stories about themselves now. That's why they yell at the, uh, the White House press briefings. That's why they, they try to make everything about them. And that's not what it's about, and I think people forget that. That's the one thing. I used to get that compliment a lot from um, the folks at Fox 5. Uh, the, uh, the news director would call me in a lot and say, you understand, you see things, and maybe it's because you're kind of an a-hole. Um, you see things the way normal reporters don't anymore and that they should see it. You can, you can get to the bottom of it. You can bullet point the story and you know the questions to ask and you follow up with it. And it's not about you. And that's like the whole thing over and over again. Like this, like all of my commentary, everything I do on social media, that's again, we were talking about this before, like why like my podcast doesn't do better or whatever else. Like my stuff isn't about me. It's about putting other people over. It's about like, and I'm not saying that you do great on your podcast. Good. But like, but like for me, my stuff is about entertaining other people. It's not about making myself famous. It never was. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel great to make people feel good. Like, I, I, I feel good about myself when I can make other people laugh. And that, that, instant, that instant feeling, I miss it from being on stage. And I can't wait to get back on the road. But, like, it's the same thing with my writing. Like, when I talk about something, it's not to bump myself up. It's to share a story about someone else. That, I just feel like people don't understand that anymore. They don't get that concept anymore. And it's... Um, it's lost on people. It's it's one of the reasons that like I'm, I met with this production company in, in Dallas. Yes, let, let's talk about the show. Yeah. yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. So let's. So let's it's not official yet. Yeah. We're still in talks to like figure out the numbers and things. Hopefully, this doesn't jinx anything. It won't. Um, this is going to happen. Uh, worst case scenario, my friend who's stuck in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan right now, he's defense intelligence is coming back, and he's like, if they don't produce it, I will. He's like, he's like, I got extra money. We can make this happen right now. He's a great photographer. So what we're going to do is go on the road, and we're going to basically try to recreate, not necessarily the trip, but just kind of go out and do what I did. And I've done this now. I've done these trips before. I've done like four or five of these in the past. Um, but all this should have taught you is that there's so much. I, I bet you can think of five things where it's like, wow, I didn't know this was happening. I could have seen it. There's so much that, that could be told. There's so much. And taking a professional photographer with me and like having this get done. like so. Uh, odds are the show is going to be called Take Tim 2. Um, and then each episode is a different title. And, and the, the working one that we're starting with right now, I can't, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but it would take me to multiple countries and follow the process of something being made. We'll just put it that way, um, which is very cool. I also think there's going to be a bourbon documentary that comes out of all of this as well. And so 
Well, because I'm connected with the bourbon industry, and um, which is very odd as well. Like, I mean, you know, I have a passion for it, but the fact that I have friends that are master distillers and are in the Bourbon Hall of Fame now, um, just from talking about their product, and they happen to be watching on a live stream. Um, and then we became really good friends. They're like, "Why don't you come down and whatever?" And then they send me things, and whatever. like, I mean. This is all very organic. This isn't like forced. A lot of people force things. You know, a lot of people have social media presences because of, I don't know, you're an asshole or you like show your boobs a lot or whatever. I could do that too, I guess, show my boobs. But like, um, you know, all of this is just very organic and it's hanging out with people and telling their stories that naturally happen. And um, it's been my passion for a very long time, but I had never really honed it down to where this is. And I think you see it in my segments from Fox 5 that I've now ripped and put on my website um, because I don't know if they're going to take them down or not. Um, the take Tim to work segments where like I act like a goof, but in the end of the, at the end of the day in it, you get the full story of what's happening. And so, and so I'm putting people over and I'm making them look like serious. serious the in the middle of me joking around. I mean, there, there's a certain ethic to that. And I mean, you're certainly not the first one to try that. I think it's still something that's been, that's trying to be done. Yeah. Like with, with Hunter Thompson, I mean, like he, he, he did that to excess. He hated people thinking he was Raul Duke. From Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, he hated that because he had pushed it. If he had just found that sweet spot, he, you know, he probably could have, you know, been happier about. It. He hated it towards the last years of his life. But you know, the one thing he says in a, a couple of interviews he did with Rolling Stone, but that time he was just writing about sports. They were like, "Why did you act or do the things you you did to?" you know, try and get attention because it seems like, you know, you're doing the opposite. You're making it about you. And he's like, dude, you got to understand if I didn't provoke certain situations or if I didn't behave or do things in a certain way, you, you know how, you know, you know what people are really thinking and you see the truth when they're uncomfortable or they don't know what to make of a situation. And there's a certain ethic to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you either get it or you don't. Like, like this, this is the first time, time I've really talked about this kind of stuff. And the first time I've ever been on the record actually saying, you know, shit talking people who make the story about themselves and um, do that kind of thing. I just, there's, I have a real big passion about this. And the fact that a, again, on this trip, man, I, there was a family that contracted me recently to tell their family's story. That's why one of the reasons I went back to Dallas was to work on this project for them and like to write their family story for them. I mean, like that is kind of, and I met these people to bar on like my trip. These aren't things that like get like told everywhere. They're just like we think that you're the the storyteller who can do this, and they loved it, and they loved it. I just wrapped that project up. Um, that's kind of where I am. Like, look, if I get famous, I don't care. Like, I mean, I have followings on social media and whatever else, but like, I live comfortably. Um, I have roommates that hate me sometimes. There's a guy in the kitchen right now. You might be hearing the microwave. Um, but uh, you know, I I get to. I get to have fun for a living and I get to tell stories and I get to show people, you know, it's one thing when you work for the local paper, I think that's, it's kind of like the local paper, but on a bigger scale. So like the local paper, you know, the local papers won't go out of business because they still, well, I guess if schools are back in, you know, people want to read, people can start buying the classified sections up again. Local papers will do fine. They'll have to change, but they'll also, well, but local papers sell because they like highlight the local athletes and the kids. There's still something to be, you know, have that story told. You know, one of the very first, um, stories I ever wrote that I probably have a copy of somewhere was a two part quick, quick question. Did you yeah, start yeah. through just straight reporting or did you do commentary first? What kind of, where, where did things? So I wrote an op-ed at 14 for the local paper for the Arbutus times in Maryland. And then I ended up working for the Arbutus and Catonsville times, um, just writing columns about local things that were happening. Like not like, like wacky stuff, like nothing like crazy. And I think they were paying me like 20 bucks a column or something like that. But I wrote a two parter, a biography of um, this woman who grew up about a half a mile down the street from me in Baltimore Highlands in Maryland. 
Um, and she was one of the first members of the Peace Corps. And she ended up as like an ambassador to like Belgium or something. It was some crazy thing that That's like right. nobody knew about. Grew up in the hood in Baltimore. And I told her story in the local paper. And uh, that was one of the, that was a really fun thing. If you would have told me that, like, circle back around, you add a little bit of personality to it. That's what I'm doing now, basically. Um, I would have never believed that. I did that when I was in, uh, I think, law school or grad school or something like that and never really thought about it. Like, all the other things I could be doing, like, there's a lot of people who've wanted me to work on their comms staff. have been offered crazy comms jobs in D.C. that I've turned down, like six-figure comms jobs working for committees and certain executive branches and stuff like that, and I never took them. Um, you, you, if I don't bring it up now, I'm totally going to lose it. But you bring up something which is so important, which is, you know, I, I think I think this is why so many commentators, it's very easy to write a piece that you know is going to do well. The The hard thing is building bu- building a reputation long term. I think this is a thing that a lot of commentators fail at doing. And I definitely know that I made a lot of these mistakes going on. And, you know, it's I, I think... Some somebody at the Times told me this, and it was great because I wrote one piece that I only wrote a handful of pieces because I was so busy with other stuff. I was yeah. like, if I can do they really, if I could do a really good job here, I could still build up my byline portfolio. And they rejected this piece, and I'm glad they did it. They're like, you know what? You're trying to write like Thompson. I already know you're doing it. Like I, you talk about it all the time. I know this is what you're fucking doing. No one's reading you because they want to read him. He's dead. Right, like you yourself. Yeah, I got I got a ton of good advice. Somebody else, okay. <laughs> but um, it was it, it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, if you can if you can do it genuinely and be consistent with your own style, it will it will compound over time and it will yeah. do better. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me like, like when you talk about that and like developing, developing a character or whatever, like. I very rarely make mistakes on, like, political things. I know it's, like, an asshole thing to say, but, like, it's very interesting. I I got something wrong on Twitter three or four months ago, and some big NPR reporter was the first person to jump on it, and that person doesn't even follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, that's interesting, because I know people are now fucking watching, and they're waiting for me to screw up. They might be jealous of my career or what I've done and stuff like that. The thing is, listen, NPR guy, I'm a better reporter than you, and I'm not even trying to be a reporter, so fuck you. But also, no ego there. Um, but it's just interesting to develop, (laughs) but it's just interesting to develop that character that people, they want to pounce on it because like they feel like it's a victory to get one over on you, even though like you could give a shit who this person is. So like, it's just a really weird, it's a weird spot to be in. Where were we? Did we end up coming back to Baltimore with all this stuff? So I bookended, I bookended my trip. Right. You you leave Florida. You're, you're back. So, um, I was originally going to take a little quick driving trip to Virginia to chill out when all of the COVID restrictions started. And the first place that I went to, because I turned around and came back and started like, I went to Costco and a few other things to like get things just in case things were going to go crazy. When Maryland started shutting down, I sat at the bar at uh, Texas Ribs and Barbecue. I was the last customer at their bar in Clinton, Maryland at 4.59 before they had By the way, the fucking catfish there is amazing. Yeah. I don't even really like seafood. I ate two of those things. And so that was the place that I ended my trip with, and they didn't know it. I came in at a random time, and I was like, I knew it was the end of my trip. Um, and it was 13 and a half weeks I was on the road. And I, I went back and sat in the exact same seat in the bar, ordered the exact same thing, and I didn't really tell them that. I just had a regular old conversation, and I ended the trip for me. Um, and then, uh, and then I had my birthday party there, but like that was, I bookended my trip at Texas ribs in, in, uh, in Clinton. And I said earlier that I got them, uh, I fundraised for them, of course, on my birthday and they gave me a key to the place, which is, well, you got something about the, about the frame 
frame picture they gave you of like Obama. I have it over there behind you. Like it's like of like. <laughs> so they gave me the same picture. So they have these this frame picture of Obama on their wall, and they actually added me to it. They cut. They did a little cutout of me, and they put me on it. Um, but uh, they gave me like a framed cutout picture of Obama and the staff there, which is. I don't get it. They should have added me to that picture too. I, I think they want me to do that. I don't know what they want me to do with that, but they gave me that and they gave me a key to the restaurant, which I thought was kind of awesome on, the, on my birthday. And, um, but yeah, like, I mean that kind of stuff, like, you know, if you can save like one local business, like do it, you know, like that's, it's kind of crazy to be able to do that. But like I, my little bit of my minor notoriety, I was able to, uh, you know, every time I mentioned them on Fox five, which I did a lot, they would get a bump. And I actually did like a little commercial for them. That take him to work stuff was essentially commercials for places that I liked, um, and other things too. But um, you know, I wasn't getting kickbacks or anything from it. But like, I mean, I did like Ben's Chili Bowl and them, and I did one stilling, which I have a bottle. Of oh man, Ben's Chili Bowl! The fact that they were able because they they almost weren't making it. Yeah. I remember texting you halfway through the the whole trip. I'm like, dude, they're they're on TV right now. They're they're hurting. Yeah. Because I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, you can't anticipate whether or not you're going to have outdoor dining opportunities. You can't anticipate how much extra shit you have to order so you could fulfill delivery and takeout. Like, this whole idea that everyone was just prepared, and if you weren't prepared for it, it's your fault. Like, it, it's it's like all the, all the fucking people online who are like, oh, well, you know, their, their place burnt down. They have riot insurance. It's like, fucking riot insurance? What? Well, I mean, they were, they were born out of... Um the race riots in the sixties, right? The civil, yeah. the civil war, the segregation stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, so I guess they if, if Ben's them. chili bowl ever went away, that's a, that's a real that's part a of the soul of the city. Oh, by the way, they're, they're like conservative there. You know that, right? Yeah, but they'll never say it. Like, like they're, they're friends with all these conservatives that go in there all the time. All these all white guys go in there all the time. It was my, it, it, it was my goal. Okay. Here's my thing. And this was always me when I thought I wanted to be eventually like a big commentator one day. Now I'm glad I'm not doing that. I, I like my own corner of the world. I, I wanted to be on the list they have on the on the soda fountain machine there, where it's like the people who can eat here for free. They crossed off Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby's name for obvious reasons, yeah. but it's like Bill Cosby, Denzel Washington, Barack Obama. It was always my goal. It's like I want to be one of those people on that list. I think, I think there's well, the guys, the guys I know always pay when they're there, but I bet they could get in for free. Oh, I bet Obama never paid. Obama? I bet Obama never paid. Yeah, I bet he hated the food there too. It's not. It doesn't seem like Obama food. Intentionally stuck a hair in there. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. The worst. But yeah, he went no. to Five Guys for free, and then a few months later, the place was contaminated with rats. Well. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just stating what happened. All right, Q on. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, you know the worst part of the whole thing. Comet Pizza is great. I just, have you ever been to Comet Pizza? I had it one time. I had their I had their buffalo chicken pizza. Their their smoked mozzarella. With like smoked onions and everything else on it, fantastic. I've heard about that. I have not tried that. They don't have a basement. That's the only thing I. (laughs) And there are so many of these commentators, by the way, these Republican commentators or conservative or whatever they call them. I I always feel like liberals went to Comet Ping Pong Pizza and conservatives went to We the Pizza. Well, okay, so it's owned. Doesn't Podesta have a um, ownership stake in it? In Comet, yeah, he was gifted a stake in it. Can I be honest with you? Like, so I read those emails where they like came up with Pizzagate, and then we should end this because it's going to go off. Um, it was about to get real conspiratorial. No, 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 it's not at all. So I read those emails where like he's like, "Let's go get pizza." You know what I think it is? 
have a great bar there. I think they were drinking midday, and I think that was their excuse to go drink midday. Yeah, we should end things here before I get into oh, it. Oh, God. Do you actually believe I don't, I don't believe. Okay, do I believe what no. what the QAnon people believe? No. But was there some strange shit going on? Those emails, the, the Panama Papers. There was some oh, strange Panama Papers shit. Was a whole nother, that's a whole other conversation. We can talk about that another time. But, um, no, like Eastside Pies was in on. So they, they had put Eastside Pies in Pizzagate. And Eastside Pies was actually a trailer that definitely didn't have a basement. They all have my, running, my, my running route in Austin, my jogging route every day. Like, look, no, man. Um, but, no, I think they were just alcoholics that went and got drinks at, at the bar all the time. That's my theory. Sam, this has been the longest episode of the show, and I'm glad we're able to do this. I've been wanting to pick your brain about all these things for months. The For... You know, and specifically for a lot of there, there's always going to be a few people listening who want to go out and be storytellers, whether they want to do it through the lens of commentary or whether they want to actually just do the hard work of being a straight reporter. Being a straight reporter, what regardless of your personal opinions, a personal belief, that's that job fucking sucks. It does. You most of it is watching TV and writing what you want. Yeah, on TV. yeah. But even when you actually go and have to go on site and report something, you put in all that work and no one reads your shit. You know, I did, um, and, and we're wrapping up, but I was the Supreme Court reporter for um, Talk Radio News Service for a while, and I used to go on, on campus all the time, like on the, to the Supreme Court, and like in Congress and stuff. Do you think Ginsburg's alive? Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, she's sick, but yeah, she's fine. But, but, and, by and by the way, the way she, she could have retired at 80 casually during the Obama administration and, and had a 45-year-old woman ultra-progressive replacer, but she has too big of an ego to retire. It's her fault. That all of this stress happens. <laughs> it's her fault. Um, but anyway, no. for, for 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 budding storytellers out there that know that there are stories to be told, but they don't know how to do so. What well, what's your advice to them? I don't know. Just tell the story. That's all I've ever done. I've I've never gone through any formal training or anything like that. I was just mouthy, and then people started listening, and then uh, you'd be surprised where things go out. Just be authentic to yourself. And don't steal somebody else's fucking idea. Because, I mean, like, if you go to steal somebody else's idea, it, it's not going to be as good as the original. It just can't be. Like, there's just, I don't know. Then again, Apple iPod did steal the Zoom, so. But Rest in peace, Zoom. When you're telling a story, it's not about you. It's about somebody else. It's about something else. That's, that's the big advice. It's, it's not about you. So, and it's very hard to do because people think that they, people go into journalism to be famous now. And like back in the day, people did It used to be a blue-collar job. Yes, it still very much is. I mean, the heroes of journalism from back in the day are heroes because they worked their ass off and they told stories, not because they like, you know. Hunter Thompson reported and wrote straight copy for 15 years before he even wrote Hell's Angels. He did that to feed his family. Yeah, and he was hunting elk and having to like drag it into his fucking cabin to feed his pregnant wife. Like even he put in the work. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. But yeah, yeah, no. Um, don't make it about you. Make it about the story. That's it. Awesome. Tim, thank you so much. People want to follow you and all your misadventures and everything online. How could they do so? At Tim Runs His Mouth. You know that. There's always the one person who's like, where You're do I find you? going to tag me in all of the, when It's going to be in the show shit. notes. I'm going to tag you. People, yeah. it's yeah. your fault if you don't know this point. Anyway, this has been it. Love you all. Take care. Stay COVID-free. Don't destroy businesses. This is Rems W. Martinez. Good night.
check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.